everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Vampire Diaries Diaries. So we are going to do something a little bit different this week. Instead of recapping the next episode of the Vampire Diaries, we got a special request from a very special fan to recap one of our favorite Christmas movies. One of Beth's favorite Christmas movies. One of our collective favorite Christmas movies, the 1998 classic Jack Frost, starring Michael Keaton, Kelly Preston, and a little kid named Joseph Frost. 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 Oh my god. Sorry. Um, but one of the most exciting things about this is that we're joined by our two guest stars from past seasons. Um, we have Claire's sister, Rose, and my husband, Mike. So everyone, give yourself a little shout out. And as always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Claire. Yeah, I'm here too. So if you're... A Vampire Diaries Diaries fan, stick with us. If you're just a friend, also stick with us. And we're happy to bring you our recap and musings on Jack Frost. Yes. So Beth loves this movie so much. I do. From fond childhood memories, so we can't judge her. Don't judge me. <laughs> I think I watched it with Beth once at the place we lived together in the day. But I have very little recollection of it. Like, there were a couple of scenes where I was like, this seems kind of familiar, but I must have been tanked because there's some really memorable stuff in this movie that I did not recall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was somehow one of the movies that Claire and I didn't watch. I, I really think that we've seen every TV show and movie that aired in that time period. Yeah, except I, for I was aware one. of it. But we never watched it for some reason. No, and having seen it for the first time today, I can really see why. Because oh. this movie was terrible. <laughs> Sorry, I, I feel like this is the movie that put uh, Michael Keaton back on the map. After, after Batman, he kind of had a few down years, and then, bam, comes out with Jack Frost. One Batman quit, and another Batman took his place. <laughs> Wow. Oh, yeah, fun fact. Um, the snowman looks like George Clooney, but Michael Keaton does the boys. All right, we're jumping ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> there I is a snowman in this movie. Yes. So to give a brief overview, um, well, actually, let's just start at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. No, we don't want to spoil the <laughs> big surprise of this movie by right. giving a plot summary. Surprise <laughs> singular. I'm sorry. There, the whole, entire movie was very surprising to me. That's one way to put it. <laughs> so the movie starts at a really slamming rock concert. Oh, sorry. It's a blues concert. Yes, don't get it twisted. It's the Jack Frost Band, headed by Michael Keaton, who is playing a harmonica and singing, while he has, like, a red guitar like slung over his back that he never plays throughout the entire movie it's just like an avril Levine vanity guitar <laughs> i think somebody in announcing like the beginning of their show tells the crowd to get ready for red green and blues yeah that was really horrible Whoa. So the band immediately starts into playing a bluesy rendition of Frosty the Snowman. No, I'm not kidding. And they're like, I came to life one day. It's very intense. I must have been so magic. 
I think it's important that we make sure our listeners know that when we're referring to like a blues band, <laughs> this, this is like Michael Keaton, the British guy from Love Actually. No, they're all British. Robert Brandon, actually. actually, also that. Yes. A British the, guy who Bill is Nye's in boyfriend Love from Love Actually. Yes. yes. And they're they're some kind of like John Spencer blues explosion, like white man, like. With one like token fun, woman funky playing a fiddle. white man. Your yeah. average band of 40 to 50 year olds just waiting to get signed. You're, yeah. you're just about to break. Suburban Colorado. <laughs> Regardless, the crowd is super into it. They are dancing and cheering, and I've never seen anyone so excited about Frosty the Snowman, including no. children. And in the crowd is Paul F. Tompkins. What up? Uh, he's got some impressive mutton chops and he holds up like a flip phone but it must have been like a really prototypical uh, flip phone because this was the late 90s but he's holding it up so that somebody can listen to the set because it's so hot he knows this person will want to hear it and then he's shouting we gotta sign these guys (laughs) everybody in the band is extremely sweaty because they're all rocking so hard and Michael Keaton gives a the keyboard player, who is the Love Actually guy, a forehead kiss during the set, as one does. He does. I saw. Cl- I knew Claire was going to write that down. It's because I didn't even write it down. I just remembered it. <laughs> I uh, I just have to say that I like like I said before. I hadn't seen this movie. I knew about the movie, and I was stunned that this is how this movie opens. I did not think this was going to be a movie about like blues rock musicians and it it really set the tone lamer it's like yeah it's like slightly more racist uncle jesse yeah so we've just talked for about five minutes about the first 30 seconds it it warrants we're on the right track i think we've established well i think it was like anything with my note-taking skills (laughs) you do a lot of talking and then Nothing until the end of the movie. Yeah. Mike has written about half of a small page of notes, whereas the rest of us have written anywhere so between like three and eight pages. <laughs> so, I just got so into the movie. He was just, just too busy thinking about how much he loves Jeremy Gilbert. Why are men? As the president of the Jeremy Gilbert <laughs> oh fan, or fan club, I kid. I just like to rile Beth up. No. All right. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on. So that was the opening scene of the movie. We got the credits. We find out it's Michael Keaton. We find out it's Kelly Preston. We find out it's Joseph Cross, the guy from Love Actually, um, and a bunch of other people that we have no idea who they are. Excuse me. The little blonde girl is M- Micah Burim, who plays the little sister to Romola Garay's character in Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, wow. which is my favorite Christmas movie. Wow. Of course. There we go. I apologize for skipping The little over. sister in that also, movie. Also, there might have been a Lawrence in the movie. Okay, so we have the <laughs> opening, and then the next scene, we see a lovely Colorado school um, getting out for Christmas vacation. And the teacher calls out Merry Christmas to all the kids. And I'm like, you would not be allowed to do that now. No. Yeah, war on Christmas. <laughs> this was 1998. There was a war on Christmas and Christmas lost. That was after 9-11, though. Yeah, you can only say Happy Honda Days. <laughs> Happy Honda Days. 
So all of these kids are running out of school. They're so happy. They're, like, cheering and, like, throwing papers in the air. This never happens in real life. No. I was always waiting every year of school, and no one ever threw papers or cheered. One because year, of this movie? <laughs> probably. One year there was, like, a polite clap at the end of the year, but I've never Where seen Where did you go to like school? This. Like, Birmingham? I went to Catholic school. Oh, we maybe that's why. Repress our feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I went to a normal public school, I feel like, and I remember, like, the week before you got out for Christmas, even the teachers didn't care anymore. Yeah. So, like, you would just, like, watch your movie the day before you, uh... But did anyone cheer? Leave. Well, nobody cheered, but nobody, like, everyone was just, like, waiting to get out of school. We have debunked this included. scene. Yes, we have. <laughs> Invalid. Okay, so the teacher's like, Merry Christmas, and then fucking we see our main character, Charlie, go atop of a hill, and below him there's just chaos. It's just a melee. There's like two pieces of playground equipment like half buried by snow, and then like a hundred children whipping snowballs at each other. It was really, I wrote down that it was like... The scene that plays out, which takes about thirty minutes, was it was like a Mad Max esque, like it was a snowball fight, but there was like weird, like you using like playground materials to devise weapons, like launch. A child had dug himself a trench. He was a second grader. How did you, how do you know? They said it. Oh. Charlie was going to save the second grader. Yeah. Right? Oh right. He and he, he was like. Quoting the art of war or something. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie is definitely like set up in this scene as like our all American hero. He's like yeah. standing up to the bullies who are like using weird technology like, and using their backpack as a slingshot for yeah. giant snowballs. It's like a Lord of the Rings, the the salt of the earth. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, you, but I am. I. Don't know Lord of the Rings, the but you know Salt of the Earth. I saw part of the first movie on TV, and then I saw the last hour of the extended Return of the King in so college. The last scene. Yeah, it was like <laughs> the five endings. Um, I think this is as good a time as any for me to share my very special uh, personal story about this movie, which is that Joseph Cross, our child hero. Uh, attended my college for a semester while I was there and he lived down the hall from me in my dorm. Wow. I was very starstruck. I was not chill about it at all. I was like, oh my God, there's a movie star. It's that little in my kid dorm. from Jack Frost. Well that and year. Right. Oh yeah, he was in the first M Night Shyamalan movie. Uh-huh. Um no, that year he was supposed to be getting a big break because he starred in a movie by the American horror story guy. What's his name? Ryan Murphy. Uh, Ryan Murphy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, running with Scissors. Oh, yeah. So it was like, oh, I've heard of this movie. He must be really important. But mostly he just, sorry to blow up your spot, Joe. He liked to smoke weed on the roof of the dorm. And there was oh an God. incident one day where he came running out of the men's room. And there was something about blood everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> Smoking too much of that pot. Yeah. Maiming you know. himself. I don't know what happened there. I was not privy to the boys' locker, boys' bathroom <laughs> fight club, or whatever. But those are my main memories of 
Joe Cross, as his friends call him. I can't believe that he didn't learn important life lessons from this movie and he would turn into such a druggie. <laughs> I mean... I mean, he didn't get the big break that people thought he was going to get, but he was on an episode of one of my favorite shows, Elementary, a few seasons ago. So he's still famous to me. He was playing a computer hacker from a fictionalized version of Anonymous. And he had a red streak in his hair because he was a hacker. That's very edgy. (laughs) They call them everyone on that show. (laughs) Whoa. Wait, they called Anonymous everyone? Or they called him everyone? <laughs> the anonymous. Oh, okay. Everyone. His name was Sucking Chest Wound. Oh my god, that's too much. Alright. And then he was accused of killing somebody by giving them a, a sucking chest wound, but it wasn't him. Spoilers. Oh no. No, I'm never watching that show. I know everything. <laughs> this brought it to the next level for me. I do think that somebody who might end up joining everyone at some point is clearly this bully kid <laughs> yes who is rory, rory. he's rory. got spiky hair he's like smoking a slim jim <laughs> you've got the old slim jim cigar that's the first of many indications that this kid is not a heterosexual <laughs> yes he's not one of those heterosexuals Right. He's not straight and relaxed. <laughs> Sorry, we'll get to that later. We will. So to recap quickly, we meet our hero in this scene, who is Charlie. And we meet our enemy, who is Rory Buck. He is in Charlie's same grade or maybe one year older. I forget. And he's got spiky hair. He's got a Slim Jim hanging out of his mouth. And he's slingshotting snowballs at all of the other children. So he's clearly the bad guy here. Yeah. And he's also an expert snowboarder. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's a big confrontation because Charlie has to rescue the kid from his snow trench, and he says he has to take out the general of the opposing army. And so Rory snowboards at him, and Charlie has a snowball behind his back and throws it in his face and saves the day. It's very intense. It is. And there's one line in this scene where Rory says, Eat snow, you little wieners. <laughs> Somebody's got wieners on the brain. That's yes, all I'm exactly. saying. Yes, I'm speaking about an 11-year-old. Send me to prison. <laughs> okay, bye. You're just telling the people about this movie. Um, He's also wearing like snow goggles on his forehead that are 100% opaque. Yes, yeah. and there's a lot of like loving attention paid to the goggles by the camera. They do like zoom into the goggles and like special effects. Yeah. So that is a very long scene in this movie, but we're still only like really, 10 minutes the, in. The whole movie is one long snowball fight. <laughs> yeah, so this is our first snowball fight. At this point, we're about 10 minutes into the movie. Um, and then Charlie makes his way home after winning the snow fight. And we see that he's kind of trapezing through the streets. Um, We see some beautiful mountains in the background that are clearly green screened. And then he gets home. So he walks into the house and he's like, Dad, Dad, is that you? And he walks into the kitchen and he sees some work boots sticking out from under the sink. And who does it turn out to be? It's an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist. (laughs) It is. It's his mom. It's his mom. (laughs) Women doing house 
work. Wait, that's not the right word. Women fixing things. Well, that's she's attempting weird. to fix a leaky pipe, but only she's because a woman, dad so. isn't around to do it. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, Beth was pouring oh beer into a wine glass. It's true. She could have just drinking from the... It's a nice half-acre daisy here. cutter. Shout it's out. A, all right, well, I already sponsor us. So, as we all know, women don't know how to use tools or fix things, so she probably was just, like, staring up at the pipe, trying to fix it with her mind. Of course, but then her son comes home, and she remembers her place, <laughs> and she's like, oh, did you bring your report card home? It's not a good sign that you didn't immediately present it upon entering the house. And then Charlie hands it over, and she's like, "Woohoo! Straight A's. You may have got your father's looks, but you have my brain, son." And first of all, that's a weird thing to say. And second of all, looking like Michael Keaton is not a compliment. <laughs> Some people would disagree. Like you burnt Michael Keaton. <laughs> I was laughing She when she puts his report card on the fridge it reminded mm-hmm. me of in Nathan for You if anybody watches that show oh no I feel like I talked about this the last time I was on this podcast <laughs> I'm familiar with okay. the show well this joke is not going to be funny to anybody. I'm sure well, some of our listeners, listeners. Yeah. It, it just reminded me in the opening of that show he like has a picture of his report card that he lovingly is like, and I got really good grades. And he's like panning over the grades. It's like B plus. Aw. <laughs> It'd be funny if you watched the show. Nice. Good one, Rose. Thank you. I tried really hard. B plus. <laughs> so he's obviously a child genius and apparently hot, according to his mom. <laughs> and speaking of hot, that night, a man in a festive fedora strolls up while Kelly Preston, who plays the mom, is outside shoveling snow or something. Right. He's got a soul patch. Mm-hmm. He's got some good sideburns and a cool fedora. Yeah. And a red scarf that matches one of the stripes in his fedora. So overall, a really good look. Mm-hmm. Um, so he walks up to Kelly Preston, a.k.a. Mom, a.k.a. Gabby, a.k.a. Captain. Captain, my captain. Yes. We'll get there. But they have some sort of super weird back and forth. So he's like, hey, ma'am, we broke down on the side of the road and I could really use some money. And she's like, oh, I don't have any money. My husband's a musician. We've established that from the first scene. And he's like, okay, well, how about you share a little bit of chapstick with me? And then they make out, and it's like this whole weird fucking thing. And But yes, their husband and wife, he's arrived home from his tour, and now they're making out in the snow. So is that how you talk to Mike when he gets home from places? Well, every day when he comes home from work, I pretend not to recognize him. And then I they pretend to, to beg you for money. And, so, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I beg for money. I just walk around the apartment. I'm like, hey, um, can I borrow some chapstick? And then I have and to make just... out with him. And then it's a really great way to be married. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm writing this down. <laughs> uh, pro tips for everyone. It did. It did feel like the scene was like 
the screenwriter thought, like, I really need to include a scene of, like, this couple being happy with each other, considering events to come. Because it's just, it's really overly long Mm -hmm. and bizarre. It really is. Mm -hmm. I think it, I don't know, I feel like it would have been more realistic if they had just been like, oh my god, I missed you so much, how is four? (laughs) Right? But that's how we get here. They're too cool for that. But they go inside, and Charlie is asleep on, like, the window seat, and there's a dog that's very cute. Chester. Chester. This dog is cute as shit. It's a fluff ball. Check our Instagram. Yes, and as we learn in the closing credits, the dog actor's name is Mr. Chips. <laughs> oh my god, I love him more. Beth is crying right now. I am. And Kelly Preston is like, don't wake him up. He's so cozy. But Michael Keaton is a selfish jackass, as we learn throughout this movie. And he goes and wakes this kid up. And they, yeah. I forgot about that entire scene because the next notable thing they do is make a snowman. Right. And it's a very sweet scene with the family all hanging out. And there, and Charlie's really upset that the head is too fat. This comes up many times: is that they made the head too fat on and the, the most snowman? Unusual and offensive thing about this snowman is that the nose they give him is like a long stick, and I'm like, it's a dick nose. Well, <laughs> they said, remember he he wanted to give him a hose before. The yeah, nose, there's so. this whole thing in this movie where Michael Keaton makes really sexual jokes to his child. And it starts with this scene where what becomes the dick nose, Michael Keaton tries to put down at the bottom because he says, I thought you said hose. The whole movie is like, it's a combination of like sad family drama and then like terrible like body humor. Yeah. Yeah. That's the entire movie. (laughs) I can't believe they got away with saying balls so many times in, like, a PG-rated movie. Well, they were just talking about snowman parts. Well, oh, we're yeah, getting I'm ahead just, of I'm ourselves. the pervert here. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they built the snowman. We had the I thought you said hose moment. And then the family erupts into a beautiful snowball fight. And some The woman, second one. Yes, the second one of the movie. And some woman hangs outside the window and she's like, hey, you hooligans, go to bed. And then Michael Keaton was like, you know, Mrs. Wilking looks really hot in her nightgown and it's really gross. They're just like face palms during that. She did. In real life. It was terrible. So then we head inside because the snowman making and snowball fight is over and it's time for Charlie to go to bed. And he goes into his bedroom, which is all sports because he is a boy child. Mm -hmm. Lots of hockey, but some football as well. He is American. Yeah. He's very American. There's no Canadian children allowed in this movie. I don't remember if we... There's a lot of hockey. There's a lot of hockey because we are in Colorado. I forget if we established that. This seems like a very Colorado movie. It is in Colorado. Oh, yes. It was not at all filmed partially on the Warner Brothers lot on the Stars Hollow set. It is entirely filmed on that set, actually. <laughs> it looks just like Har- Maybe Stars this Hollow. movie is what gave the showrunner for a Gilmore Girls because the, the bully's name is Rory. <gasps> yeah. It's a prequel. Everyone's minds. This movie is a prequel of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I read that it happened. 
Beth just really seriously looked at me and asked if this movie was a prequel to Gilmore Girls. Oh my god. No, I think Gilmore Girls started after this. Yes. It did. In the early 2000s. Rory. Yeah. It's because Rory is trans. It's fine. Um... (laughs) I'm going to be on the lookout for other signs <laughs> that this is true. Yes, Easter eggs. <laughs> okay. So, so we're in Charlie's room, and his dad comes in, and he's like, hey, man, like, it's time for you to go to bed. And the kid is like, welcome back from tour, Dad. Where's my present? And he's like, oh, you know, I brought you some back. Or I brought you back some of those little sword skewers that they use um, on drugs. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, for onions and... Lemon peels or whatever the f- olives. <laughs> he says for for martinis. The martinis mom puts in my lunch. Yes, this it's is just, such a weird scene. It was this conversation that just kept going, and I was like, "What and nothing are made they sense. talking just about?" Like Try to summarize. <clears throat> yeah, it's horrible. I feel like they were trying to establish some kind of like rapport with the dad and the son, and that they joke around, but it was the, just horribly. The awkward. problem is that both the dialogue and the acting are so bad that like. Like, Kelly Preston is acting like she's a Scientologist who's trying to act like a normal person. (laughs) Well, yes. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Michael Keaton is trying to act like Michael Keaton. I feel like... But he's trying to be cool. He's a pretty good actor. Yeah, he does a good job. I don't think that any of them is a bad actor. It's just, Uh like, the dialogue is so... Like, it, it occurred to me at some... I think during this scene, I wrote down that suddenly I realized that, like... Jack Frost is supposed to be cool. Yeah. Like, it oh, didn't yes. occur to me. I don't think me. we've established that Michael Keaton's name in this movie is Jack oh, Frost. Yeah. <laughs> Minor tidbit. That's and true. Spoiler alert, he turns into a sandwich. <gasps> what? Mike? What? His name's Jack Frost. How Come dare on. you? And it's a Christmas me. movie. And there's a snowman on the DVD cover. Yeah. And there's that. But it looks like George Clooney. How are we to know? So from this very, like, contrived scene, um, Michael Keaton, a.k.a. Jack Frost, gives his son Charlie a gift. It's an old harmonica who he... So Michael Keaton makes up some weird story about how some old famous blues player named Sonny Boy Wayne gave it to him. And he was nine feet tall. And that he was I'm sorry, wait. The exact... Because I wrote it down. The exact (laughs) thing he says was... This cat was nine feet tall. <laughs> he said this cat. What if it was a cat? He refers to other people as cats. Oh He's my god, player. you guys. This is a prequel to Gilmore Girls and Sonny Boy Wayne was a giant cat. This is the best movie I've ever Who seen. Who established Stars Hollow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so eventually the real story comes out, which is that on the day Charlie was born... Michael Keaton went across the street to the music store because most music stores are located across the street from a hospital. You know, one-stop shop. And to celebrate the birth of his child, he bought a harmonica. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. It's, well, he is a musician. He doesn't have enough money to buy a real instrument. True. <laughs> and he's now giving it to Charlie, and he claims that it's a magic harmonica. It has powers. The dad he says to the me. son, whenever you play it, I can hear it. And that becomes important later in the movie. Yes. So then Charlie asks Michael Keaton, a.k.a. his dad, 
dad, can you come to my hockey game tomorrow? And the dad's like, what time is it? He's like, four. He's like, oh, I'm doing this super important recording sesh. Not sure if I can make it, but actually I'll be there 100%, so see you tomorrow, buddy. And then he comes to the hockey game, and they live happily ever after at the end. And the movie's over. <laughs> yep. Wrong. Just like that. Uh, so before we get that shocking revelation, we visit the parents again. Michael Keaton is brushing his teeth. He's wearing a white t-shirt with the sleeves cut off, tucked into his jeans. <laughs> to get ready for bed, and as people do. Yeah. It's so sexy. It is. So after he's done brushing his teeth... He walks gently in where Kelly Preston is wearing a very sexy cotton nightgown. She says she doesn't wear this every day. Mm. Well, she has to compete with Mrs. Wilkins next door now, apparently. Oh, God. Now that she knows. I yeah. also, I wrote down at this point that Michael Keaton has, like, frosted tips in this oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. It He's didn't occur blonde. to me up until the, this point <laughs> in the movie. And he also has, like, a receding hairline at the same time. And an earring. <laughs> yes. One single earring. The entire the Just entire a look. single earring, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really something to behold. It was 98, y'all. I was alive in 1998, and I was not dressed like this. <laughs> but you were, like, six. Oh, yeah, but I'm... <laughs> give me some credit, Beth. <laughs> Rose was nine in 1998. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I was ten. I was 16. I, I had one. I knew what the cool kids were up to back then. That's what Mike Whoa. was wearing. I was Charlie Frost's age because we were in the same grade in college. Oh, true. Oh, well, Mike, you did have frosted tips. Yeah, but not <gasps> for two more years. I have a nice Oh, no. Is that why you brought me on tonight? So we can make fun of my. Just can we get a picture of that and put it on our Instagram? 2001 yes. prom picture? I have I to see the frosted tips. There's also a picture of me with flaming drumsticks. That's another of my favorites. Since we're talking about frosted tips, I want to bring this back to the Vampire Diaries for a second. The Candace Akala, a.k.a. Caroline Forbes, was the girl on How I Met Your Mother who gave Marshall frosted tips on his wedding day. Oh my gosh, wow. wow. We came full circle. That's yeah. really why we reviewed I wish Caroline movie. was in this movie. She's your favorite person, too. Sorry, I was just trying to think of how old she would have been. (laughs) Negative five. Sure. Anyway. She'd be in the second grader. The next thing I wrote was parental fucking. Yes. So, you're right. They were indicating that that was going to happen. It was another scene, like, look, these people are married, they like each other. They sleep in the same bed. Like, have feelings about this audience, have an emotional attachment to their marriage, because... Right. Well, we'll get to that. Gabby, a.k.a. Kelly Preston, was like, AKA singing Captain. my song. And then Michael Keaton was like, singing some song. What fucking song was it? I, I can't don't remember. Was it a real song? Can it was you even, a real song. But were you able, I just feel like he was just singing it into her ear and he couldn't No, because like, he sang it. I did not the recognize any It's like, you words. are my sunshine or something equally like annoying. Um... <laughs> But she's like, take off your boots. And it was very sexy. So we know that they have a good marriage and a good sex life because she's wearing this cotton nightgown and that they love each and other. And they prefer much. that people take off their shoes before they go to bed. <laughs> sure, yeah. A novel idea. And he calls her her name, Gabby, in the scene. But oh, for yeah. the first time, many times, it really sounds like he's saying Cap'n. <laughs> like Cap'n Crunch. Yes. So I think we shall henceforth refer to her as Captain. Yeah. I know. Good call. 
And the next thing that happens, I think, is they're decorating the house for Christmas, and there's this random guy there, and, oh, wait, it's the keyboard player from the Jack Frost Band, mm. a.k.a. Billy Mac's boyfriend. Yeah, we need a name for him, because he's a major character somehow. <laughs> His actual name is Mac. Oh, Mac. Others I've might know him best as Robert Baratheon from Game of Thrones. Okay, Mac. Or the dad from a little-known sitcom <laughs> called Still Standing that nobody watched but me. He probably he's watched it. He's a Love Actually too, right? Oh, yeah. and Love Actually. This is a Love Actually guy. Yes. Yes, and he's helping put up the Christmas lights because a woman can't do it on her own. Which actually becomes a plot point later in the yeah. movie that women can't do anything no. on their <laughs> right. own. We can't get too much into that. <laughs> so he's also there to pick up Michael Keaton so they can go to their recording session, and he's trying to hurry him along, but Charlie wants to learn how to play hockey. Because he has a hockey game later, but he sucks. And he has this, like, trash can lid with a bullseye painted on it dangling from the roof in front of the garage. And he keeps hitting balls on it and missing. But he has to learn from his dad the J-Shot. Right. Did anybody else think of Parks and Rec when they kept saying J-Shot? No. I don't know. Because John Ralphio calls Ben Jello shot and shortens it to J shot. <laughs> oh my god, I don't remember that. I'm gonna, how? If you replace every instance of J shot in this movie with the thought of a Jello shot, it makes this movie a lot better. Yes. Yeah. If you took a Jello shot every time yeah. that they said J shot, they talk about the J shot a lot. They do. And I think that he calls it a J shot after himself because yeah. J for Jack. It took me a really long time to get that. Not oh, I was thinking about that. Jello shots. He's an amazing blues music, an authentic blues musician, mm-hmm. and an amazing hockey player. Yes, but he hasn't passed along any of his wisdom to his son because asshole Mac is like, "Dude, we gotta go." And so Michael Keaton is like, "I'll teach you this when I get home." He's like, "Excuse me, when you get home, my hockey game will be over. I need to know now." And then he's like, sorry, gotta go. And Charlie's like, but dad, you really need to teach me this. But dad, come dad, on. But dad. And then Michael Keaton has one of the greatest line of the movies. And he's like, but dad, you're calling me butt dad. Like referring to an actual human butt, a.k.a. ass. And then he's like, just so you know, that would make you butt boy. Now we're <laughs> oh getting into really God. dangerous territory. We really are. <laughs> But what I wrote down here is, but dad is better than smut dad. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's really foreshadowing a later line in the movie. It is. I like it. It'll make sense later, guys. <laughs> sort of. So then we head over to the Medford Public Recreational Center, where we have many scenes of the movie. Um, so Medford is the town in Colorado, and the Public Recreational Center is an ice rink. At this point, all of my notes became in all caps because of (laughs) what was about to appear on the screen. What? Not who? Well, that who. (laughs) Who was about to appear on the screen? Take it away, Rose. None other than Henry Rollins. Whoa. I was... Okay, first of all, this was actually like the third note I wrote because I saw his name in the opening credits and got so excited. (laughs) But why, why is he in this movie... Why? I don't know, but he seems really excited to be there. He, His character, I would watch a, a movie about his character. Yeah. Like, what's going on in his life? Because he's just mad all the time. Yeah. He's, he's the hockey coach, so he has, obviously, a lot of testosterone. And he's Henry Wallen, so he has a lot of testosterone. Yeah, that too. Uh, so they're playing against their arch rivals, the Devils, which seems a little bit on the nose, if you ask me. 
Yeah. It's like, are they called much. the angels? They were called the mountaineers, oh, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Is that like an indie band? I'm going to win at Jack Whoa, Plus Trivia. In the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> oh, right, right. As our devils. There are devils in them, there are hills. <laughs> But this is like, yeah, he's he's all mad, he's yelling, and then I wrote, I my notes aren't that thorough, so stop me if I'm skipping ahead. But there's a, then an amazing montage that's like Jack the Jack Frost band playing a terrible song, <laughs> and, and everyone's really sweaty again. Cut with like the hockey game, and basically Charlie just falling on his ass over and over. And the song is "Don't Lose Your Faith in Me, Baby." Yeah, I wrote that down as well because I felt it was symbolic. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's also a moment in the beginning of the hockey game where we see Charlie face off with Rory the bully, and they were really making some eyes at each other. They were. They were like raising their eyebrows. It was some prolonged and intimate eye contact. I mean, I don't die. I was so distracted by Henry Rollins. I don't even know what happened for the rest of this movie. But yeah, Henry Rollins was all like, listen, I'm sick of looking up at the scoreboard and seeing the devils are beating us. I want you to get out there and beat their ass. Now have a great game and play safe. Like, I just like... Just it was so intense. That's, your impression is amazing. You had like the mouth curl and everything. Yeah, and he was there. so mad. He was. I think you could be like a professional Henry Rollins impersonator. <laughs> Thank you. That means so much to me. Tell us why you mad, Henry Rollins. Yes. Please do, because you're a child hockey coach. Thank I you. wish Henry Rollins would come on our podcast. I Yeah. I'm in love with Henry I'm Rollins. I'm sure he's probably listening right now. I used to listen to the Henry Rollins um, like radio show in college. We would do the Henry Rollins Power Hour, and we would just drink a lot while he did his radio show. He really was an important figure in my life. Aww. Wow, that's really beautiful. I think he owes it to me to be on this podcast. Yes, that you are occasionally on. <laughs> yeah. My sister. So you're making podcast. my second appearance. Um. <laughs> if I could ask him for one favor, that would be it. <sighs> Thanks, Rose. That means a lot to us. You're so welcome. <laughs> yes. So, as we kind of can tell from this cross-cutting of scenes, uh, Jack Frost did not come to the hockey game, and he realizes <laughs> it's like two hours after the game has ended that he finally looks up at the clock because he takes his music so seriously, and he's like, "Oh no!" And, and you know we... it's too late because Zamboni's on the on the rink. <laughs> yeah, yes. we get a nice shot of the Zamboni that has no point. Other than to establish that Zambonis exist in this universe. And they are awesome. Sure. <laughs> so then Butt Dad comes home. <laughs> so he walks into the house and the captain, a.k.a. Mom, a.k.a. Kelly Preston, is like, Listen, Jack, you promised him that you'd be at that game, didn't you? Listen, I signed up for this because I married you and I knew you would never be around, but this kid is your child and you need to be there when you promise him. And it's very emotional because Charlie didn't choose this. Yeah, and she says that she figured out that he had promised because Charlie kept on looking up at her in the crowd and after he did it 40 times, she finally realized he wasn't just gazing at her, he was looking for dad. She's very narcissistic. Yeah, Very quick on the uptake as well. Also quick on that. And no wonder Charlie was falling on his ass if he looked at his mom 40 times in one game. (laughs) And then we have a 
really great line about how good Charlie is at hockey. Yes. <laughs> Mom is like, one of these days, Charlie is going to score his first goal, and you're not going to be there to see it. This kid is like 12. Someday. I'm he's clearly been playing hockey for like five or six years. And, and he's like obsessed with hockey. <laughs> yes. But he just sucks. He just got dragged by his mom. Sometimes, Never scored a goal. Yeah. Just got to know your spot in life. Yeah. This was the scene I wrote down that like, Again, I'm watching this. I'm 28 years old. I never saw this as a kid. And this is not intended for me, this movie. But there's a point. So he goes into Charlie's room, and Charlie's in this, like, elaborate pillow fort. And it's also, like, like, a tent inside his room. Yeah, it's like a tent. It's like he... It it took him, like, five days to make this fort. But he... And they're in this, like, beautiful house. And I just know if I watched this as a kid, I would think that was the coolest thing in the world. And I'd be like, I want to make a pill, like a fort tent yeah. thing. And, like, yeah. I know I would have eaten that up. Yeah. I still want that. And there's a lot of, like, whimsical, like, Christmassy stuff that happens that I know I would have loved. But yeah. watching it now, I'm just like, what is happening <laughs> in my life? Yeah. Good story. But that's this but that's he like has to go and comfort Charlie and be like, Sorry, I'm a deadbeat dad and I let you down and you it's didn't because I'm goal. so passionate about music. Yeah. But then he gives him the, the, the speech about wanting to be a great musician or whatever and when he asks you No, you're right, because he's telling Thank him, you. Charlie, have you I don't remember. Have you thing. ever had a dream? And Charlie's like, Yeah. And the dad is like, listen, my dream my whole life has been to be a great musician and I'm recording this album right now and I got like lost in it and I'm sorry that I missed your hockey game. I'm just a musician. And then Charlie comes out with a super sick burn. He's like, oh, so that's what makes you a selfish jackass? (gasps) Shit, man. Amazing. There's a line in his speech here where he also mentions he wanted to be a really famous musician and provide for his family. I'm like, how did they get that house? Because it's like a big house. Well, it is. She works in a bank. Right. She appears to be a bank teller, but <laughs> she's in the banking industry. I am just thinking, like, how easy it was for people to buy houses in the day. And you know why? Because they hadn't invented avocado toast yet. <laughs> That's right. true. Additionally. The bane of the millennials. Person could get any house they wanted. The entire real estate market <laughs> has collapsed. Shh. <laughs> not a one of us is completely sober right now. I'm not the only one slurring my words. No. So after you know burning his dad, Charlie is kind of you know willing to be like, okay, fine, whatever. But then the next day, they're getting ready to head to, like, a cabin in the mountains to spend Christmas Day, which I guess is their tradition or something. But then the phone rings in the house, and it's a call for Jack Frost. From Kaplan. Something Kaplan, who's a record record executive, who has, in Michael Keaton's words, explained that the record company heard our tape, went nuts, and they're 99.9% sure they want to sign us. Wow. But that 0.01% has to be determined by them going to Aspen on Christmas Day to perform live. <laughs> Against three other bands. Yes. Like, 
That's how record labels are won. You have a Christmas Day battle <laughs> with the bands. Are they up against Pink Slip from Freaky Friday? Oh my god, Pink wow. Slip. I was just about to start singing a Pink Slip song. You should have. No, it, please do. Trust your instincts. I'm sorry. I would sing one if I remembered how they went. I can't bl- Anyway. <laughs> we'll watch that for our next podcast. Okay. So, unfortunately, Dad can't come to Christmas. Womp womp. And Charlie is very sad. So, Dad is pretty much explaining this while they're packing up the old station wagon. And then Charlie's like, oh, you're going to miss Christmas? So then he takes the magical birth Monica, <laughs> a.k.a. the harmonica that Michael Keaton bought on the date of his birth, and just throws it in the snow. And he's like, geez, Dad. <laughs> it's very sad. But nevertheless, Michael Keaton takes off in the car with Mac and his other bandmates to go to Battle of the Bands on Christmas Day. And now he's wearing these really douchey, like, brown lensed sunglasses. Yeah. So that we're And not wearing a seatbelt. Oh, wow. I noticed that as well. And he, I like, noticed the whole not wearing a seatbelt thing. And he was sitting, like, leaning back and put one as a... He was, like, crossing his legs in the man style. You know what I mean? This is the point in the movie where they're trying to establish... Because in the beginning, he's, like, this great, cool guy. And he's, like... His wife loves him. His kid loves him. And suddenly, they're trying to establish that he's, like, this self-destructive like he when he's talking with charlie charlie tells him he's self-destructive and it's like since when it seems like what they wanted was to have him have like a coke problem but like they (laughs) couldn't he's like an alcoholic or something like they is that why he's snow dad (laughs) (laughs) it could be snow daddy there is like 12 feet of snow in every scene in this movie maybe it was all cocaine (laughs) Maybe. We don't know. That's a good cover. I mean, that wow. would explain this movie. It was, there's definitely coke involved in the making of this movie. Yes. So they're driving, and at some point they pull over, and I apparently stopped paying attention because I was very surprised when they started driving back. Yes. So what happens is that... Michael Keaton is all like, listen, my career is important, but I left my kid and my wife on Christmas Day. What? W-U-T. So then Mac pulls over the car. Um, Michael Keaton gets out, a.k.a. Jack Frost, and he tells the rest of the band, listen, folks, turn this car around. We're going home for Christmas. And all of the band people are, like, cheering, which... Okay, Christmas is very important, and it's important to spend holidays with your family. But also, if this was, like, your big break, I don't know if you would give up that Battle of the Bands. Christmas happens every year. Yes. Battle of the Bands in Aspen happens once. When you've been hustling. Especially when you're 50 years old and still waiting for your big break. For any record label to sign you. Like, any label. And they've already driven all the way out here and pissed off their families, and now they're not even going to do it. Right, so then Michael Keaton starts just walking down the highway, and Mac is like, hey, buddy, maybe you want to take the car. It's faster. And then Michael Keaton is like, LOL, true. So he hops in Mac's car, and then we have a couple scenes where time is passing pretty fast because it was light out when he first started driving. My question here is, where did Mac go? Because he's not in the car with Michael Keaton. I think he jumped in the van with the other people. That makes sense. Not. Not at all. Oh. No. Sorry, you guys couldn't see my skeptical face, so I had to verbalize the joke <laughs> no. in a very hilarious and it contemporary made really way. Sense. Yeah. 
So this is all to establish that he gets caught in a snowstorm. It's after dark. And oops, he drives off a cliff. (laughs) It pretty happens that unceremoniously. Um, And then we fast forward to one year. But again, because like in this actual story, he would be like wasted. Like he was drunk. Like they're playing it up that he's like Mm -hmm. this guy who's reckless and blah, blah, blah. But he's like a normal guy. He just like accidentally drives off a cliff. Because of snow. I don't know. Snow. Yeah. This is... This is not the entire story. When you live in Colorado, driving in snow is really hard. You have no practice. It just comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, you're like blowing my mind right now because I never thought about it as anything but like a horrible accident because of snow. But I think it's a metaphor. Mm. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, it's we don't get a card on the screen one year later. All of the children look exactly the same age as they were last year. They all have the same exact hairdos. The same clothes. we done get What? We just said we done get a card on the screen. We done get a card. Did I say that? No. What? What did you say? We then get a card? We done get a card. This is Colorado. I have been watching a lot of Heart of Dixie. I could have just started talking like that. Oh my god, I feel so blessed. That Wait, I, I have okay. Out. The word done. So I have somehow I know a lot of people who are Southern, uh-huh. and one of them taught me my favorite phrase ever that I'm going to teach to you. It's when you're wearing a pair of pants and you sit down and your like belly kind of like mm-hmm. spills out a little oh. bit because you're wearing t- pants. Uh-huh. It's called a done lap. Because your belly done lap over your jeans. Wow, I love it. This is my, I say that all the time now. Shout out to my southern friends. So I don't remember what happened next. So the next, well, I don't actually. Okay, I, I thought I the next lane was landslide. We have a little. There's a little more before that. Oh, oh yeah, 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 landslide. Is. Oh, well, it's one year later, and we're back at the school again with the same teacher saying Merry Christmas to everybody, right? Right, exactly. But now Charlie's sad. Yeah, he's not happy about Christmas or school being out. Right, and all of the kids are, like, heading down that hill, presumably, to engage in the same snowball war that they did last year. But Charlie's just doing a sad walk, and one of the kids is like, hey, what's wrong with him? And then Rory's like, man, that kid ain't been the same since his old man died. It's time to get over it. I ain't even met my old man. That's true. So it's very intense. Yes, Rory nice reveals that. It was Rory. It was Rory, yeah. That he oh, know Rory Gilmore doesn't Rory know her Gilmore dad either. Was, I don't know my dad either. I'm fine. Wow. Which I never met my old man, Christopher Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> Until he paid for my Yale education. Whoa, that's Whoa. true. That's like getting into the later seasons of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Oh, no, did I just embarrass myself? No, you're no. Oh, you're a mom's friend. I'm a big Gilmore Girls fan, so. So, Charlie, instead of joining in the snowball fight, he starts walking home, and Mac pulls up in a pickup truck and is driving alongside him, offering him a ride, which would look very suspicious to anybody who doesn't know their relationship. Right. Uh, I noticed at this point that Mac also wears one earring, and I can't remember if he did earlier or if he's just doing this as a tribute to his departed friend. Oh, because I also noticed that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. It's really deep. Uh, But Charlie's like, I don't want to. 
And Matt is like, oh, well, I'm going to babysit you today anyway while your mom is Christmas shopping. And he's like, okay, see you later. And then he, like, climbs down under a bridge and, like, goes through a crevasse in the mountains. (laughs) And Matt's like, okay, bye. Yeah, Matt's like, okay, see ya, buddy. Oh, my goodness. So then Charlie, Or, sorry, Matt is like, okay, bye, because he's British. (laughs) Oh, yes, Claire has the brush... <laughs> I have the brush. <laughs> best British impressions. We've been getting a lot of practice, both of us, because there was a British character on The Vampire Diaries named Rose. Yes. <gasps> Whoa. She just died. Oh, man. I know. Vampires will fuck you up. Werewolves will fuck you up. That's what I meant. Sorry, guys. Don't worry. Claire oh, and I always mess up vampires and werewolves. We sure do. Anyway, now that Charlie has gone off-roading for a little bit, we see that he's arrived at home, and of course it has snowed more, so he's shoveling out the driveway for his mom to come home so she could park. Um, Then we have a scene where the plow is coming down the street, and it just dumps a huge, huge pile of snow on the driveway that he just freshly shoveled. Um, And he just gets really frustrated, so he's looking at the snow, and he's trying to shovel it, and then he looks at the shovel, and he notices that there's, like, a bumper sticker of the Jack Frost band on it, and it reminds him of his dead dad, and he's so sad and just starts crying. And then he's also very angry. Yeah. Yes. It's a metaphor for life. They just keep dumping more snow on your driveway just when you think you cleared it. Wow. Never ends. And then you just gotta stab the snow. You have to kill the snow. He's a very ineffective shoveler. He gets like maybe five flakes per shovelful. (laughs) He is also a child. True. Yeah. And his mom drives up in the station wagon and is like, don't worry, I can drive over it. And he's like, no, I have to get it. And then she hops out of the car and starts hugging him. And she's like, I miss him too, Charlie. I miss him too. I thought this scene was very sad. It was. Like, this was, this was a, a, a snapshot of what this movie might have been, but then the, the rest of the movie is just like weird jokes about balls. Like yeah. there's this one like very sad real moment of about like grief, and then that's it. There's also a very sad sounding instrumental version of White Christmas playing in the background of this scene. Oh, oh I didn't oh, notice wow. that. Yeah. So she, I guess, goes uh, Christmas shopping, and he's hanging out at the house with Mac, and there's some, like, band on TV, and Mac's like, oh, your dad really liked them. We used to play with them once. And Charlie mutters, nice to know he had time for someone. <gasps> so he's so mad. of the dead. He's mad at dad. He's sad about dad. Yeah. And then, like, the salt in the wound he sees the neighbor kids outside making their own snowman just like he did with his dad last year and he looks fondly he smiles upon them like an old man and then he decides to venture out into the snow himself yeah dark at night by himself it's colorado he's fine and he has like (laughs) a cardboard box of memories that he brings out with him (laughs) he does so he starts to build his own snowman um, at this point, he's literally shoveling snow handful by handful onto a mound to make the bottom of the snowman. Apparently, in addition to never properly teaching him the J shot, uh, <laughs> Michael Keaton never taught him how to properly build a snowman. And this whole scene is set to landslide? It sure is. 
So I just felt like it needed to our, be said. Yes, <laughs> it's pulling at our heartstrings because this is a very emotional song, and he places his dad's scarf and his dad's ugly fedora on the snowman. But the shot where he puts the scarf on, suddenly it goes into slow motion as he like flings the scarf around his neck. Right. It's like the only shot in this whole scene that's slow motion. There are a lot no of reason. moments in this movie where it's like <clears throat> they realize that they could use special effects. <laughs> yeah. So no. Yeah, so if you can make something, I'm surprised that's the only thing they made slow-mo. Yeah. I also noticed that the nose he gives the snowman is a proper nose length and not a dong nose. Yes. I think it was like a wine cork or something. Yeah. (laughs) And he completes the snowman and places the fedora lovingly on his head. He uses a Jack Frost band pin as one of the buttons. And then he goes inside and sadly plays his magic harmonica. He plays out landslide on the harmonica, <laughs> yeah, actually. He does. Well, it's he mostly does. just like one sustained note that happens to go along with yeah. where landslide <laughs> is right now. Yeah. And I wrote that Chester knows something is up with the harmonica. Chester, Chester has been in the background making knowing faces. And they kept cutting that. to Chester. Yeah. It was really weird. It's because Chester is Chester's so damn cute. He's so cute. He is. He's and a he star. he knows what's up. He's the only logical one in this whole movie. It's true. He's mm. very skeptical of everything that happens, <laughs> as he yes. should be. He's like growling while Charlie's making the snowman. He's the audience stand-in. <laughs> I always associate with the dog in any movie. See, when I see a dog in any movie that was made more than 10 years ago, I'm just like, is that dog dead now? No. Is Mr. Chips alive? Mr. Chips lives forever. In In our hearts. In our hearts. So after Charlie plays the chord of landslide, um, (laughs) sassy Christmas music starts to play, and it's like inspirational. It's like... Yes, Mike, go ahead. Give us your rendition of the sassy. Yeah, we all just contributed. I don't remember. Oh, I don't, I'm sorry. You caught me mid. I'm okay. sorry. Mike was yawning as we all made our twinkly Christmas sounds. So then we get this sparkling whirlwind going around the snowman, and there's sparkles and snowflakes and wind. Just- Again, it's like... Ooh, we have money for special effects. So it's like spin around the snowman for five minutes. Like, we both commented, Mike and I, that we were dizzy watching this scene. Yes, it lasted a long time. It was a very late 90s CGI cool, like, whoa, look at everything changing. It's like when Paul McCartney discovered synthesizers and decided to write a Christmas song. (laughs) Burn. There are some synths in the Beatles. Anyway, this is another conversation. (laughs) Let's talk about the Beatles, guys. There was no sense uh, happy Christmas time or whatever the... Simply having... Here. Wonderful (laughs) Christmas time. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, now the snowman is alive and it's dad. And it says, I'm home. I'm home! So then, of course, the snowman... Okay, listeners, this is when shit gets weird. (laughs) The snowman goes up to the window and looks in at Max sleeping and Charlie <clears throat> sitting there all sad. And he's like, Charlie, Charlie, it's me. It's your dad. Let me in. And of course, Charlie screams. And the dad then catches his reflection in the window and realizes he's a snowman. And he's like, what the fuck? No. 
And then... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm really curious this whole movie as to how he walks. Because the motion of walking is as though he has two legs, but he just has one large stump. So he really should be, like, gliding... It's like shuffling. Or like, like shimmy. I just wrote in my notes how legs. <laughs> also, he, he seems like he can't feel pain, at least yeah. early on in the movie. If he can, this movie is horrific in everything that happens. <laughs> At this point the first thing that happens is like, his arm fells off. Yeah, the dog pulls his arm out of its socket. His <laughs> yeah. stick arm. This Chester not, has no time for this. No, Chester, my next note that I wrote was Chester not convinced peace. Yes, Chester just straight up goes up and pees on the snowman. So this movie has golden showers. It does. It does. And then we get one of the first jokes about penises where mm. the snowman looks down and realizes that he has no hose, if you will, no mm-hmm. penis. And then he's like, oh. He's but he so over it right quick. Yeah. That's what, what is so weird. At this point... Everything I wrote is about just, like, the general experience of watching this movie and not, like, the plot of the movie. (laughs) Because it becomes, all of a sudden, like, the creepiest movie ever. Yeah. It's so weird to watch this CGI snowman just, like, walking around. In the rest of the movie, he's just, like, walking around and talking to himself. And he is... It's It's just like, and nobody, including Jack himself, who has just turned into a snowman, ever like asks a question about why this has happened. It's just like suddenly, this is the reality of the movie. Where has his consciousness been for the last year? Like, is there an afterlife? Nobody is curious about this. You, you're asking way too many questions of this movie that will never be answered. I assume that he has no idea what happened because he just walks up to the door like, hey, dad's here, with like, out any recollection of like, him dying. And doesn't even realize he's a snowman at first. Yeah. So apparently, if you die by driving off a cliff and you come back, you're A, a snowman, and B, can't stop making dick jokes. (laughs) So Leave me B. That's what I say. (laughs) So, like... Prior to watching this movie, I would have never, it would never have even entered into my head to think about whether or not the snow dad had a penis. But the movie makes us think about it a lot. Right. And really, again, the, the how entire can a snow movie. snow dad be a snowman? Whoa. A he's also, I'm sorry, he's a butt dad. <laughs> he's a butt dad. Yeah. He's many things. <laughs> so. Charlie is meanwhile in the house like, holy shit, what is going on? There's a walking snowman who's claiming to be my father. So he tries to wake up Mac, but Mac is just dead to the world. So he barricades the front door with all this furniture and then pushes Mac in his chair to as the finishing touch and doesn't think about any of the other doors or windows in the house, apparently. But uh, Snow Dad runs after the dog to get his arm back and then gets run over by a plow <laughs> this movie is so weird yes so now that he's been plowed into a snowbank he's like stuck in there like you would imagine if someone was like plowed into a snowbank and we learn that he can like command his different balls to do various tasks <laughs> and this is the first of many yeah you need jokes. to clarify the definition of balls yes, in this okay. context yeah so he's made up of three balls his bottom ball his middle ball 
and his top ball. So ball three, two, and one, respectively. Yes. Wait, which one's three? Three is the bottom. Okay. It's I important. Think. We need to I refer to them. Yes. Because they separate. Often. Yes, they separate, and yet he still has conscious control of all of them. Yes. He's like, come here, ball number two. And then ball number two, like, hops to attention and reattaches to his head. It's very gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then he, like, gets all of his balls realigned, and he's like, all right, I'm back together, just act casual, and he goes back to the house, at which point Gabby, a.k.a. Captain, arrives home, and she sees the snowman, and she's, like, pretty impressed that Charlie built it. She goes up to it and gives it, like, a loving caress because she sees that it has her husband's ugly fedora and and scarf on it. And she's she's horny for snow. She's coming onto the snowman. She is. And she, like, whispers something into its ear. I forget what she says. I, I I was trying not to know. It was really weird. Nobody would ever act this way with a snowman. She was she's like, a scientist. Oh yeah, she was like talking to it. I mean, not to get too much into her personal life, but imagine her like trying to flirt with John Travolta. <laughs> it would probably be similar to her flirting. Exact, with exactly. Exactly. Yes. This is what I'm saying. Okay. Oh, so this is familiar territory. It's flirting with the snowman is similar to flirting with John Travolta. <laughs> Except it's less likely to inappropriately touch any of your male friends. Oh, no. You need to tell me the scoop later on John Travolta. Oh, well, he's just like, been accused of many men of inappropriately touching them. I didn't know that. I yeah, thought I knew everything. massage therapists. <gasps> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Why are men? Anyway. Uh, so Kelly Preston goes in and she's able to easily open the door with just a shove, even though all of their furniture and a large man are blocking it. So I don't know why she couldn't fix a damn pipe. She's obviously got like slayer strength. (laughs) Right. And Charlie runs up and he's like, mom, the snowman's alive. (laughs) She's just like, are you okay? And then we cut back to snow dad and he's like, oh, Gabby, you look so good. And he's peeking in the window because she's started fixing the sink again, or she's like emptying out the pot with all of the leaky, gross sink water. Yes, because it's been leaking for a year, and since there's no man around to fix it, and Mac doesn't count because he's British, uh, it has just not ever been resolved. And you also can't hire someone no. to fix that. Well, she doesn't have any money because he didn't leave her anything. She just has. She's living paycheck to paycheck, she's, working. She at the works bank. at a bank. She is making good money. Okay. I just at, at this point again, like my notes, I'll say I have no idea what was happening because I wrote so scared about what the rest of this movie will be. <laughs> is this a Christmas Carol? Most of the, again, most of this movie is Jack talking to himself. Puns. Yeah. It's accurate. I mean, yeah. Exactly, Rose. You're right. You're on the right path because then he goes into town and he's screaming into the ether and he's like, can the universe really be that unoriginal? Am I a snowman because my name is Jack Frost? I'm like, and yes. It's such a cliche that people come from back from the dead as snowmen. Yeah, right. <laughs> How unoriginal. <laughs> but then my next note was that Henry Rollins is amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because, so... Thinking about, I think Henry Rollins is in three scenes in this movie. So the first one is him yelling at a bunch of children on his hockey team. In this one, he's driving and he sees Jack Frost as a snowman. 
and he like takes one look and he's staring at him and then he just starts screaming jack does start talking to him like sid hey sid it's me what's up man and he just like has a sustained terrified screen as he drives away that goes on for a really long time like he's not on screen anymore and you still hear him (laughs) screaming yes it's good it's really good again why was he in this movie? Why yeah. was that scene necessary? I don't know. Maybe his, his name best is Sid <gasps> Or the director or It someone? could be. Henry Rollins and Michael Keaton. I'd watch that sitcom. Okay. We need to pitch something to Hollywood, I feel like. <laughs> I'm ready. So then Snowdad is going through like various stages of acceptance. He's like, at first I was denying it, but now I realize I'm a snowman, so I accept it. And then he goes back home, which is weird because it's only been like an hour since he's left. And Charlie comes out with a blow dryer and he's like, start talking or else I'm going to melt you into a puddle. So the dad starts talking and then Charlie runs away and screams and doesn't want to hear it because he's freaked out rightfully so because his dad has come back as a snowman. I just have questions about how long the cord is on that blow dryer that he got it all the way out into the middle of the large yard. That is a very good question. I had a similar question, yeah. I don't think they had battery-powered blow dryers ever. Oh, there was a cord. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was. Like five of them? But anyway, as he runs away, he accidentally runs straight into another snow war. (laughs) And all the bullies are like, yeah, we gotta get him! And Snowdad wanders up and decides to assist his son by hurling balls of his own flesh at children. This was the most horrifying scene in the movie. It's the CGI when he starts... Apparently being a snowman has given him, like, magical snowball throwing abilities. And he's just, like, windmilling his branch arms and throwing (laughs) snowballs real fast. He is. Yeah. But then he runs out of snow... And has dug into the earth with his claws. (laughs) So he's like, Charlie, run! Run for it! And Charlie runs and somehow finds himself on a cliff. And I'm like, okay, there's just a cliff here. Okay, that makes sense. But then it's revealed that it's only like five feet high. He's like dangling from it. Yeah, yeah, there's this like huge moment of apparel where he's dangling off a cliff, but it's like the height of like me. This was a, the beginning of a the longest scene of the yeah. movie. The, uh, my favorite scene of the movie. There's a lot of there's a callback to something I feel like. What? Yeah, Mike and I both had the impression that it was very much like the scene in Return of the Jedi where they're riding the speeder bike through the forests of Endor. Exactly. Because Charlie and his dad, aka the snowman, have hopped on a toboggan to escape the other children. Who chase them on their snowboards. It's like a yes. long race. So the toboggan turns into snowboards then. Remember yeah, at a certain point, Jack Frost splits the toboggan in half with his snow arms, or his branch arm, <laughs> and it just turns into two functioning snowboards. And then we get the great line, you're the man. No, I'm the snowman. Sorry, it's you the man. Oh, duh, D-A. <laughs> There you go. No, I'm just Snowman. He is very cool. He is a blues musician. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. With one earring. Mm-hmm. And a soul patch. Well, and the Snowman patch. doesn't have any earrings, so it's That's not true. Very and no soul patch. No. What happened? I don't know. There's a hilarious moment where some of the chasing bullies throw snowballs and they hit Jack in the chest and look like snow boobs. 
And at this point, I was like, what if this whole movie was like a metaphor for Jack Frost coming out as trans? I mean, I... I don't know that I see it, but it would be a more interesting movie. Yeah. It's like, your dad is gone, but now there's a snowman. He's back as a snowman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, it, but it is because, I mean, again, it's all just like jokes about like boobs and balls. And yeah. he's like, his arms are weird and like his body detached. And it's all about like. The it's like lip. body horror. It, it is. Yeah, it is it body is. horror. The yeah. whole movie is body horror. Like they should have had David Cronenberg direct this movie because it's all just him like grappling with his new physical form. This uh, movie was actually ghostwritten by Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would explain why it's so terrible. So at one point, Rory, our enemy, is sliding down a hill because he. F- fell down on a snowboard and he hits his penis on a branch and then he's like ow <laughs> he does exactly like that and it's yeah. a delayed reaction like when elena pricks her own finger yes exactly he, and it's very dispassionate just ow and also his hair has gotten really wet and all of his gelled up spikes are gone r.i.p yeah we'll cool always remember you it's so like a transition right maybe Maybe. Oh yeah, he's going through some changes. That's true because he his character has an arc. Yeah. It does surprisingly. It's good that someone does in this movie. <laughs> he's really the Ouch. only one in the movie with an arc. So, so after like forty five minutes of people chasing each other on snowboards, I approximated that it was about twenty percent of the movie. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they lose the kids by sled uh, going on their sleds through one of those like pipe tunnels what do you call those it's like water flows through them but they're not like it's like a retention like a retention ditch yeah something like that and a giant snowball has been like rolling down the hill somehow and getting bigger and bigger and it blocks it off so the kids can't follow them and so now they have a real ass conversation where snow dad has to prove that he is truly snow dad but charlie's really skeptical if he's just a random like live snowman that's who fine. speaks with his father's that's voice. fine no <laughs> no I, problem I with that. Those every day yeah yeah like there, we don't need to ask any questions about that it's if it is actually his dad that is really like the leap of faith mm-hmm. right so he asks him a series of questions the first is how did my hamster die <laughs> and the answer is that he got sucked up in the vacuum cleaner which is pretty horrible but yeah. the dad says that he had a heart attack so then Charlie's even more skeptical, but then he's like, Dad says, listen, Charlie boy. And that's how Charlie knows that it's his snow dad, because nobody could possibly think of calling him Charlie boy. And that was their special nickname for his son. Yeah. So now he's convinced and he hugs his dad and it's very emotional. But then dad's like, I'm hungry. And now I have a lot more questions about what's going on in this snow body because we see a lot of things happen to his snow body, including later like objects being hurled through him, creating holes. And he just has like a divot for a mouth. So how can he eat? Where does the food go? Is he going to snow shit? Like what's going to happen? And they don't follow up on this at all. It's just an excuse to get them back to the house. 
I think we we never actually see him eat, so we don't yeah. need to worry about this question. Does he snow shit or shit snow? Whoa! Whoa. Well, I don't. I mean, we think about I'm that for a while. Today, <laughs> I wrote. I had like a lot of questions about the logistics of him being a snowman, though. Like, I wrote, well, first of all, at this point, he tells Charlie how he came to life and he explains it was because of the harmonica but how does he know that like he never wonders why he came to life he just even though he didn't know that this harmonica was actually gonna have powers he knew somehow that that's what brought him to life and also don't worry like, about it why can he be indoors i don't know is it's it just strange. really cold? Do they just turn the heat off? Like, Well, I think Charlie leaves the door open because his mom complains about that at some point. But still, oh, like, they probably yeah. have the heat on. There's a scene later where he stands in front of a roaring fire. So. That's true. Yeah. I think we should just not ask too many questions. <laughs> it's it's all magic. Right. So then at this point, though, so mom, Cap'n is coming home. <laughs> and Cap'n, I guess, was yeah, not supposed he... to be home because they didn't no she was gonna be there and so he jack has to like abscond to the front yard where he's supposed to be because he can't bear to be seen by his wife and not have a dick but also she like walked through the front yard and she Mm -hmm. was like of course this is a snowman so she's already oh oh because she does seem suspicious. suspicious about things yeah but she, when she comes in, she's like that. Like Charlie has this whole story about why, like the door is open and there's water all over the floor, and he's like, because we're doing like a project on igloos, and like, and he says, I believe Eskimos always have wet floors. Like, duh, mom. Like, yeah. way to be insensitive to Eskimo floors. Yeah. And then he totally throws his little girlfriend Natalie under the bus, and I he's know. like, this was Natalie's idea anyway to do this dumb wet floor science project or something. And the mom's like, well, tell Natalie to do it at her house next time. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Poor oh, Natalie. Oh my god, I know, right? He's taking after his dumb dad. His butt dad. Yeah. <laughs> and butt dad, meanwhile, is hiding in the pantry. And she goes, tries to go in there to get a mop. So comedically, like, Charlie yells to get her attention. Snow dad, butt dad, hands her the mop so she doesn't have to look. And then he sneaks out and goes back into the yard. And she sees him out there when she goes up to the front of the house. And she's like, I need a day off. Right. Because she thinks she's just hallucinating. This will have no payoff. Like, it could be that this would be, like, an interesting side plot. Is like, the mom is suspicious about what's happening. And she's, like, going through. No. 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 Uh, Instead, she tries to have, like, a nice conversation with Charlie about what's going on. And she's like, listen, so Sid told me you quit the team. Like, what's going on? And she's talking about the hockey team. And Charlie's like, listen, Mom, I'm trying to watch the weather here. (laughs) That's true. And this was after Sid was on TV. He was being interviewed by the local news station about how he had just seen (laughs) a snowman. Oh, my goodness. And screamed for five straight minutes about it. And the newscaster lady is like... And this, you say the snowman spoke to you? It's like breaking news at six. <laughs> Henry Rollins saw a snowman. Yeah. There's also a brief snippet of a commercial for Ding Dong Burger, which felt like it was some kind of genitalia joke. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ding Dong And it, it, it felt like somebody like shoving food into their face. I don't know. I'm like, Ding Dong Burger. I don't want to know. <laughs> So, 
I think it's the next day that Charlie decides that he is going to put his dad on a sled and drag him through town. I don't remember why. (laughs) It just seemed like a good idea. Somebody later describes the snowman as probably weighing about 500 pounds. And nobody questions how Charlie has been dragging him around on a sled. And picking him up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I kind of remember because Charlie, like, goes outside the next morning and his dad keeps following him around. He's like, you can't come with me. What are people going to think if they see a snowman walking around behind? <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's since like good you point. showed up, mom thinks I'm crazy. Rory wants to kill me, and I'm just like, all of these things are oh, true. Oh, but the last thing he says in that line, which I wrote because the dialogue is terrible in this movie, was, "And I'm pretty sure my dad's a snowman." Oh, yes, right. <laughs> like you've known for a while. <laughs> it's your dad. We've established this. It's your dad. It's snow dad. So there are compromises that he'll drag Dad around throughout the day. And then Natalie, who's just been thrown under the bus, is at the bank for some reason? Or she, he's, she's talking to Cap'n. Yeah. Yeah. About how she's, like, learned how to, like, start fires <laughs> or explode things. Yeah, she says that pine cones can be used as explosive She's like, devices. hi, like, <laughs> oh, red flags, like, uh-huh. I, I, warning sign. I want to see a movie about this kid. I, I would love to explode she things. She's a great teacher. <laughs> is Henry Rollins her dad? I hope so. No, he, well, I don't know. Well, he's the dad of Jackie Rogalski. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Okay. But maybe, maybe they're related, I don't know. Like an uncle. But this is also that we can see that Charlie was lying about the science project because Captain asks her how it's going. She's like, what project? And then Captain gets very nervous about what's going on with butt kid. With butt boy. Kid. <laughs> with butt boy. Butt boy. Thank you. <laughs> so it's really well. inappropriate to call a 12-year-old butt boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, none of us would have if this is not what the movie had called Exactly. (laughs) But they're, yeah, they're like in their secret butt dad and butt boy cave. Oh, yes. This is where Charlie was going after he refused a ride from Mac earlier. He has this like secret ice cave that he goes to when he wants to be alone and nobody else knows about it. And it's like an actual cave. And then, then there's this prolonged scene of the two of them playing hockey in and the he's cave. Finally learning the J shot. A long scene of learning the J shot. And I wrote that, but dad like said, made a cute reference to like that song, Hey Man, Nice Shot. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I assume. I mean, why well, he just he... said, Hey Man, Nice Shot? I don't know. That's a weird line of dialogue. I don't know. He's a big filter fan. And then Butt Dad gives a variety of platitudes. It's like four in a row. He's like, life is full of setbacks. You always have to keep practicing. And it's just, it was a lot. Just a string of cliches. Yeah. And then he pretty much like lays the hammer down on Charlie. He's like, listen, by quitting the team, you're letting yourself down and you're letting your friends down. And then Charlie's like, what is this, a lecture? And then the butt dad like goes crazy. He's like, listen to me. How many Christmas lights has your mom even hung? And he just like brings it to another place. Charlie's like, not that many. And Snow Dad's like, yeah. That's fucked up. And I'm like, what? So the implication is that she, with her frail female hands, cannot put up 
the proper number of Christmas lights. She needs Which is a really man important that you put up the adequate amount of Christmas yeah, lights. Of course. A man needs to assist her. So clearly a 12-year-old boy is more qualified to do this task and he needs to really step up. Also, don't forget that uh, Mac has been just hanging around the house the yeah. past sure. couple of years. What is he's he British. Doing? He can't do anything. But is British he, people can't do things. Either. British people's hands are like giant fruitcakes, as we all know. Oh, that's yeah. You're right. I forgot about that. He part. needs a twelve-year-old man. His hands are jammy dodges. <laughs> <laughs> but he even said he even says to Bud Dad, he's like, "Dude, I'm twelve. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I am a child. Stop." Yeah. Someone had to say it, and I'm glad that it was Butt Kid. <laughs> what? Butt Boy. Boy. And I think it's this scene, or maybe one earlier in the day, but Cap'n sees Charlie talking to the snowman through the window, and so she goes to the store where Mac works and is like, remember when I told you that I would never go to you and ask you to have man-to-man chats with Charlie after his dad died? I lied. <laughs> He really wants Mac to go and talk to Charlie about how he suddenly is talking to an animate object. <laughs> also, what a horrible fucking thing to promise upon your husband's death. It's like, your friend died and he was my husband. This is really sad. I promise I'm never going to make you talk to our child about man-to-man things. I will handle his boners. It's horrifying. <laughs> but they do have a heart-to-heart. They go to, like, the Medford, Colorado Shiver Fest. Shiver Fest. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I forget what happened. I just wrote they had a heart-to-heart, but it must have been sweet. Well, what happens in the scene is Mac is, like, talking about stuff, and Charlie says, why don't you play music anymore? He's like, well, ever since your dad died, I've lost the groove. (laughs) I always... You know, I never thought about it before when I was playing music with your dad. It just, like, happened. But then ever since he died, it feels like work, so I can't do it anymore. And your I'm, dad was the real deal. Yes. <laughs> so it's at this point that I'm like, okay, so he was in love with Michael Keaton. He's wearing this earring in memory of him. He can't play music anymore because he's so heartbroken. That could be. That's my interpretation, but... I'm sure that surprises nobody. I mean, he de- there is a sweet moment where Charlie is, like, hearing the story he's telling about... Um, the story Mac is telling about Jack, and he's like, oh, you were, he was your best friend, wasn't he? And he's like, yeah, he was my best friend. Like, it's nice. I love... I mean, I don't dispute that they were secretly in love, but I also just love any, any like, movie or anything that really, like pays tribute to, like, strong male friendships, Mm -hmm. because you don't see that a lot. Mm -hmm. And, like, he would be hurt by losing his best friend. Strong male friendships are all well and good, but I think that Butt Dad was Butt Boy to Mark. Or Matt. (laughs) Who's Mark? Wow. Sorry. There was some relationship to Matt. I mean, who knows? That's that's the R-rated version of the movie. Yeah. With the cocaine. <laughs> a tale of two yes. movies. It's like sliding doors. <laughs> anyway, um, so the next day, suddenly it's a heat wave, and there's like a weather report on that I'm sure Charlie is watching avidly. 
It's like it's 50 degrees and it might get to 70 by the end of the day and snow's starting to melt. Uh-oh. Literally on the news they say, it's hot enough to melt a snowman. <laughs> so we know what's oh, coming. Oh, like it's a popcorn of a movie. <laughs> yeah, just in case we didn't get it. <laughs> so then Charlie gets worried and he goes out to the front yard to talk to Snow Dad and he's like, hey dad. It's about to get hot in here, so we need to have a real ass so conversation. Take that <laughs> oh god. And he's like, when you told me about the J shot, it wasn't just about the J shot, was it? It wasn't just about hockey. Was I it? also wrote oh, that yeah. exactly. That also sounded really dirty. <laughs> when you told me the J shot. Ooh. It yeah. It wasn't just about hockey. <laughs> like the, a nice um, explicating the themes of the movie exactly. in case we couldn't tell. We so he, he's decided, but Dad is right, and he <laughs> needs to rejoin the hockey team. And luckily, at this point, Henry Rollins rolls up in a van full of children. But he's tweaking <laughs> out. He's yeah. tweaking. He's like wearing his sunglasses, and mm-hmm. he keeps on adjusting them because he's so scared. Yeah. Because there's a snowman. Yeah, and it is also the same snowman that spoke to him. It's true. But this is the last time we see Henry Rollins, I think. So, again, his first scene was yelling at children. His second scene was screaming when he saw a snowman. And his final scene is sitting in a minivan with a bunch of children saying, don't talk about snowmen in my car. And that's the only reason he's in the movie. He's a very built-out character. Mm -hmm. He's very scared of snowmen now. So... Not that I'm complaining that he's in the movie. (laughs) Uh, so Charlie goes up and he's like, hey, I want to rejoin the team. They're like, you deserted us. We hate you. But suddenly Natalie's there on the other side of the car and she's like, I think you should let him back on the team. I'm not sure. I think she might also be on the team, which is very progressive of them. She is on the team. Okay. We saw her in the first um, hockey scene. Yeah. Oh, I was only seeing Charlie failing in that scene. It's okay. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> so then... Natalie allows him back on the team, so all of the other guys agree, which is nice. Um, so Charlie's like, I'll go grab my gear. So he runs into the house and grabs his hockey shit, and then on his way back, he like has a brief chat with Snow Dad, and all of us were like, dude, you're not helping yourself by talking to the snowman in front of all of your friends. Yeah. He's like, I'm back on the team, Dad. He's like, no shit, I was standing right here at this whole time. Exactly, and he's like, listen, I'm going to make it to your game. Even though I'm melting my ass off, literally, I'm not going to miss another one of my kids' hockey games. Yeah, and... As he runs to the van, he's like, bye, Dad! Really loud. <laughs> I know! Ugh, kid not doing himself any favors. He's going to end up in an asylum. Right. So they drive away to the game, and Snow Dad decides to just walk to the hockey arena in broad daylight. In Even the though it's of God and everybody. Yeah. And he is worried that he won't get there in time, so he tries to rig up a dog sled. Oh my god, this oh, is the worst oh, scene of the movie. With this Chester as the one dog pulling, and Chester is not feeling it. He's like, you're a 500-pound snowman. Chester has been skeptical about Snow Dad from the jump. Yeah. And so he's just standing there. And Chester there. is the cutest dog, so I totally trust his judgment. Team yeah. Chester. We're Mr. all Team Chips Chester. President. And... Sadly, Snow Dad has procured a switch, and he whips Chester with it, 
So that Chester will drag him all the way across he town. He really oh my does. God, it's horrifying. Yeah, well, I could not believe Chester's only like a thirty dollar or thirty pound dog. <laughs> he costs <laughs> more than thirty dollars. Yeah. Okay? I equate weight to money, guys. Oh That's how Whoa. I roll. So <laughs> I, I'm only worth like a. I'm myself. I'm only worth like a hundred dollars. Fifteen dollars. A hundred dollars. Fifteen GBP. One hundred thirty-five dollars <laughs> to <Yes>. be exact. <laughs> oh, somebody's giving out his weight on the air. Let's all say how hey, much we weigh. <laughs> I also weigh one hundred thirty-five. <laughs> Me too. Wow. Amazing. Anyway. <laughs> In any case, it was animal cruelty. It sure was. And it just happens. And then it's like... It was cute until you saw the switch in his hand. Yeah, because Chester was just holding the rope in his mouth, like kind of bewildered at the circumstance, but not really understanding the full extent of what is going on. And how was that dog? the, The image of like a 20 pound dog trying to pull a 500 pound... Snowman. It was cute until they brought out the damn switch. Let's, and it was like, let's just assault the dog. Butt dad. More like ass dad. Whoa. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, snap. So he eventually gets to the hockey place, but the parking lot <laughs> is apparently like on the hellmouth. Or something. It's steaming. There's like steam coming off it, and he's like burning hot asphalt. I'm like, it is 70 degrees tops, and yeah. there's still and it takes a long time everywhere. for like the asphalt to heat to whatever the external temperature is. And if the asphalt had gotten that hot, some of the snow would have melted, but it has not melted at all. So it's surrounded by snow and steaming. It looks like yeah. it looks like dry ice almost. It's yeah. like it's so cold that it's, it's very steaming. contrived and stupid. But he, he proves how much he cares about his son by dragging his ass across basically hot coals. This was one of the And for the, the first time things. in the movie, he actually expresses feeling pain. Yeah. Oh, interesting. In the J-Shot scene where they were practicing, he got J-Shotted through his body at least 10 times and was just riddled with holes. And those didn't hurt, but going on the hot asphalt burned. Again, like... No most internal of logic. Of, most of the scenes post-snowman transformation, he's just like, he's talking to the dog, but he's just talking to himself. So there's this weird scene of him like gliding across this like hot lava parking lot, like murmuring to himself. And, and like, making a lot of puns in that He's like scene making weird puns. He's like putting on weird accents. It's just, it's so creepy because he's, he's by himself. The only one character in the movie knows who he is. So he yeah. can only interact with Charlie. It's like, have you ever guys ever read Garfield without Garfield? Yes, that is oh, yeah, true. Really. Oh, I, yeah. 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 It's kind of like that. Just creepy. So anyway, he finally gets there. The game is already well underway and Charlie is just owning the shit out of everything and I'm like, wow. So what I'm learning from this movie is if you suck at hockey and have never scored a goal in your life, if you spend one afternoon practicing with a snowman, you will be Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yes. because he taught him what the secret to the J-shot is, which is to be straight but relaxed. Oh, yes. This is the theme of the J-shot. <laughs> yes. And flick your wrist. Repeated oh. many times. Straight and relaxed. Straight and relaxed. So Charlie it's finally straight, scores. It's straight but relaxed. Oh, sorry. As oh. if like being straight most straight will people make are very uptight. tightly wound. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, he he scores his first goal, 
and they win the game and everybody like screams in delight and I think Henry Rollins does appear here to scream with victory oh oh that's true oh, especially yeah. since it was against Rory aka the devils oh yeah <laughs> and Rory well, a little bit longer though that's true Rory, Rory just we humiliated on that Rory. Rory's had a rough life yeah, so you get a few around. That's literally the only thing we know about him, <laughs> and he has life. really bad hair. So it's like immediately when the game ends, they're like, "Okay, time for figure skating," and all these little kids come <laughs> on the ice. Yeah, like Charlie's not even off the ice when they let everyone else. Which why? Like, what is the point? Zamboni? What's the point? Yeah. Because it's the recreational area, so everyone. You're right, but like logically, there's no point in the it movie. It served the movie in they no way. They had to like pay a whole bunch of people to like come on right. set for that. Like, it's it's not at all important in the movie yeah. that we understand how the main character turned into a snowman, but it is important <laughs> that we establish that this is the rec center and that like it has serves more than one function. Maybe right. those are all children of people on the crew or something. <laughs> These are the questions I ask. <laughs> So anyway, after his big victory, uh, Charlie sees that his dad is there and he is now like melting into the floor. So he goes running to the bank and cuts in front of the whole line. And this old lady is like, hey, you can't do that. But you're a like, real child. It's okay. He's my son. And then everyone's like, oh, fine. <laughs> so Charlie's like, listen, dad's the snowman. It's very hot out here and we need to get him to them damn mountains. He's melting. He's melting. And, and he, I promised him I wouldn't tell you, but now. <laughs> and uh, mom says something very deep here. She's like, snowmen melt. And it's like saying dads die. Whoa. Because she's like, dad died a year ago. You need to accept it. Yeah. Which you would. I mean, that's how you would actually react. Yeah. You would. Because clearly her child is having some kind of psychological breakdown. I wrote he's having a meltdown in the bank, which is a pun. Unintended. That I, no, it did not. <laughs> it's like the anniversary effect on the anniversary of a traumatic event. Like, your traumatic reaction can increase. I, yeah. I read about that somewhere. Except in this movie, it's all literal. And he's having a meltdown for life or death reasons. Yeah. And so he's just like, oh, mom, you don't get it. So he just runs out of the bank. And she runs after him, leaving all the patrons unattended to and she goes to find Mac at the store. She says, Charlie's running away with the snowman. <laughs> and Mac's like, LOLing. And she's like, no, really. And then they both run out of the He's like, bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> the Jack has escaped them by running into, well, he runs into Rory. Yes. So Rory is exiting what I assume is a snowboard punk <laughs> rock venue um, called Bad Boy. So he's like walking out and his hair's all spiky and he's like, hey man. And he sees butt boy with his butt dad. And he's like, I don't know who's stupider, who's more stupider, you or your snowman. And then Snow Dad is not having that. He's like, okay, you can do anything to my son, but you can't call me stupid. Or you can't you say can't stupider. You can't say stupider. He's like, did it you really just say you stupider? You preface it with more yeah. or yeah. not. It's still wrong. I'm going to gonna, gonna give you shit yeah. about that. And he just starts ragging him and calls him a baggy pants snow punk. <laughs> Which seems to really have an effect on Rory because at that yeah. point he's like, okay, yeah, I am a baggy pants snow punk. Tell me more. Yeah, and... Butt boy is like, listen, this is my dad. 
<laughs> you know what it's like not to have a dad. Yes, and then we have... You bastard of a child all of your life. <laughs> we have what is, I assume, the tagline of the movie. Mm-hmm. I had not heard this, so it it was amazing to experience Rory for the first time. Charlie, it is the greatest line of all Wait, I feel like I we, should we should all, all, yeah. should all yes. say it together. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Snow, Snow dad is better than, than no dad. dad. That... In case you couldn't tell in that cacophony, Snow Dad is better than No Dad. <laughs> Which is true. I mean, actually, is it like, would I rather have No Dad or my dad as a Snow Dad? If our dad came back as a snowman, I would just kill myself. I would be like, this is, there's something dark magic is afoot. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is not what I asked for. The weirdest thing about this scene to me is that Rory's like, oh yeah, I knew I saw that snowman moving during that 20 minute long snowboard chase. Like, didn't everybody <laughs> see him moving? He's like throwing snowballs. It's not like it's just like he was like, on our move. his windmill arms pumping like, <laughs> up. like yeah, he like was moving movie, clearly movie. at a rapid pace. He was like flying through the air. I, and he's also just like he has no questions. He's just like, oh yeah, he's that must be your dad. Yeah, cool. I don't have congratulations. A yeah, we had like a brief like emotional conversation about how we felt about people coming back right um, after their death, and I think I would prefer not to have my loved ones come back as a snowman. No, yeah. just because I think that. If someone passes, it would be very difficult for me, especially if it was a close family member like my dad. But it's probably the best for you maybe to come to terms with it and grieve and potentially move on and not have someone disrupt your life in the form of a snowman. And you don't have to keep on dragging his ass to someplace cold. It's just impractical. When you're in Colorado, you just have to go up the mountains. That's true. But this this actually becomes like... It's fine. That's the theme of the movie yeah. right so yeah they they are behind i guess this truck that is like getting pine trees from the top of the mountain or something mm-hmm. so charlie's whole thing is he trees. needs to get jack's butt dad to the top of the mountain <laughs> where it's cold and snowy so he's this is his plan he's hatched to get him mm-hmm. on this truck so he can get to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. So Rory, with his change of heart, helps hoist the snowman up on the truck, and Butt Boy and Butt Dad, aka Charlie and Michael Keaton Dad, um, just wave to everyone, Dad. and they go up Dat Mountain. Indeed. <laughs> so then we cut to the police interrogating um, Kelly Preston and Robert Baratheon. Oh my god. Which, again, why was this scene in the movie? Like, I, the, I forgot that because that was the scene. You need to, like, add some long. Because, he, some because they have this something. long conversation with him, and he's, like, they're trying to explain that their child ran off with a snowman, but he's, like, trying to get the details. What and did the he's snowman like, look like? He's like, just bear with me, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just a policeman. I'm trying to do my job. And I'm like, why are we having this conversation? He's a snowman. Like, yeah. we don't need to know that the police were involved. Like, we don't need to know. And it doesn't what... come back at all. No. no. It's just totally unnecessary. And it's really just a setup for a joke where Mac is giving a police description of the snowman. He's like, well, he was about five seven. White, 
And the pockets like Caucasian. Yeah. Um, five hundred pounds. Yeah, that's when we find out that he's five hundred pounds. Also, can we weigh a snowman? Because there's no way. Yeah, no way. It's like. Me like not even fifty pounds. No, I'm sorry. like it's made of. No, no, I would say a snowman. If you make one like that, like would probably eight. be maybe a hundred fifty pounds. Oh, like one fifty. No, maybe. you're like if you like packed it so tight it was like ice. No, balls. I'm saying like if you made the snowman like like that with like two like maybe a sixty two big balls and a small pound, <laughs> and then the hat weighs 20 pounds and That's clearly true. like the buttons are five pounds a piece they're solid gold <laughs> that adds up to like 130 it could be i mean it's like okay but it's not 500 pounds no matter not which way we slice it in any sense, not 500. Yes. And also, we never needed to know how much they estimated the weight of the snowman. <laughs> it actually made the whole movie worse because we were like, okay, now it's actually. Interesting fact that's how much George Clooney actually weighed. Oh, that's oh, probably that was we did we not George share, Clooney. Did we not oh, yeah. share the George No, we Clooney talked about it earlier. We did. I don't know that we got into the, I don't think we did. the like production side of yes. this. One of the five things I've said during tonight's episode was about George Clooney. Okay, well, why like. don't you like explain to the people? <laughs> I don't remember you saying it. I thought I did. So, George Clooney was supposed to be in the movie, but then he backed out. So I wonder why. So, it looks like him... They'd already done like the key art. Right. And yes. then Michael Keaton came in... Which, in an earlier note that I wrote, because I don't actually know, like, how they filmed this movie, but I just wrote that I cannot imagine doing the voice acting for this movie. Yeah. Because I, I assume it isn't, is it, like, Michael Keaton, it's not, like, a Gollum situation where he's, like, acting. Oh, no, 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 no. So this he's just, yeah. he's just that. voice acting as this is, like, a cartoon. Yeah. Hmm. Which is so weird. And then I, for a child why. actor, Joseph Cross has to like pretend to interact right. with probably like a PA right. standing yeah. in. Pretend like it's a That's why he's such a good thing. actor, especially when he's like mm. cry hugging the dad. Yeah. Oh god. <sighs> Anywho, sorry Mike. I dragged you through talking about George Clooney. I hate having to talk about George Clooney. So anyway, the truck has made it up to a high enough altitude that they're ready to disembark. And so Charlie literally just leaps out of the back of a moving truck onto a snowy slope. So he would be dead. But instead, he just gently slides down a mountain along with Snow Dad until they roll up like right on the front porch of their Christmas cabin conveniently. Not before Snow Dad said, my balls are freezing. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And then, or actually, that's he, a good thing. He says, "My balls are freezing." No. Well, I never thought I'd say that and be happy about it. That's oh, what God. it is. <laughs> He's got blue balls. They're white. <laughs> He's, no. <laughs> so, so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. They go into the cabin, and he tucks Charlie in on the couch, and there's a roaring fire, but he's fine. Because the whole past 15 minutes of the movie, like, the climax of the movie was they need to get him too cold. And then immediately he's indoors in front of a roaring fire. I'm wondering if, at this point, he realizes that he can exist, so he's not worried about being around heat. Or is like, I mean, the movie too It could be, because it, ta- it does take... I mean, not to jump ahead, but this is, like... This is the end of the movie. Yes. And 
all of a sudden he's talking about like I so I wrote the line of dialogue because it just comes out of nowhere that he goes outside and Charlie follows him and he says, Hey Charlie, thanks for giving me a second chance to be your dad. There's something I gotta tell you. I have to go. <laughs> like, it just comes out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, he's like, decided... We're at one hour and a half. Now we're at the 90-minute mark. It's time for me to be gone to the movie convent. Which I really didn't see coming, because it was like... he's okay. He's been a snow dad for, like, a day. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been, like, maybe a couple days at the most. But I appreciate your fresh perspective, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, of course he has to go, because <laughs> I watched this movie the first time when I was, like, 11. Yeah. So it just made sense to me. But when you look at it like that, you're like, oh... But, but why they just brought him to the mountain? Because the it whole movie, up until this point, the whole thing has been about like, oh, like they're sad, like they're getting to see each other again, and then like suddenly there's a conflict, and that he's gonna melt one day, and then that day he's just like, I'm done, like I I can't go on, yeah. I have to like sacrifice myself. Right, but, but before luckily we, he calls the mom. Yeah, before, before that scene, yeah. we get what Mike referred to as basically when it becomes a horror movie. <laughs> We're just like, I'm in the. Or he calls. Charlie is safe. He's in the cabin. <laughs> bum bum bum. Right. And she's like, "Who is this? Who is this?" And he won't say. He's like, "He's safe." I'm just this grown man that has your son in a cabin. And it sounds exactly like he's your my dead husband. Boy. <laughs> and she's not that concerned, no. honestly. She's really not. She's like, "All right." So she heads up to the cabin. And she kind of walks up while uh, Snow Dad is having the I gotta go GTG. And, and at this point, Charlie, he doesn't even have to think about it. He's like, okay, yeah, you gotta go, bye. Yeah, it's like, you know, He's all emotional, this happened because but... I played the harmonica. I wished that you would come back, and you did. So I wish that you'd come back for Christmas. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, right. Like, I didn't want you throughout the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, so they're, like, wrapping up their conversation um, what I wrote as a distillation of a very long list of platitudes is if you can let a snowman into your heart you can do anything <laughs> beautiful and then uh, if you check out our Instagram after this you'll see for yourselves what happens next I, well you know Captain comes up and is like oh my god it's you and then snow starts swirling around him again and we hear the twinkly sounds and wind and it goes crazy and suddenly it's the ghost of michael keaton instead of a snowman and he says you look so good gab keeping it tight and it's it's actually michael keaton in case yeah. people didn't yes, get that it's right. not not in his human form not in his <laughs> snowman form but he's like right. kind of a hazy ghost version or as I wrote in my notes, Snow Beewan Kenobi. <laughs> Snow Beewan Kenobi. So good. Or like Patrick Swayze Goose, you know, kind of that. There's not enough clay around. My note on the scene, and in fact my last note for the movie, was that Cap'n has no questions about any of this. Oh yeah, she's just like, <laughs> she doesn't even have any kind of like surprise reaction when anything happens in the scene. She's just kind of gazing lovingly at the snowman. It's like, oh yeah, my dead husband's a snowman and now he's a ghost and... Cool. Yeah. And my son got to this mountain yeah, somehow. Yeah, he's just here. He rolled off a movie. He hitchhiked. And, yeah, NBD. She's a Scientologist. She's used to this sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah, then he kind of blows away in the wind 
after telling them he loves them and we go back down to the house where Mac has got his groove back and he's playing on the piano in the house Mm -hmm. and they're celebrating I guess I don't know was this like the next day or the next year I was wondering about that because it seemed like when they had a next scene that it was gonna wrap something up like oh and like Jack comes back for Christmas every year or like anything. No, it was just like he's playing the piano and then they run outside and then roll credits. Yeah, Yeah. like Charlie's out there playing hockey in the driveway. Yeah, with Rory, the bully, their friends, which was clearly the point of the movie was whether they were going to become friends. This was actually a romantic comedy about Charlie and Rory. Oh my God, maybe Snow Dad just makes his way through and he like parents all the abandoned children. (laughs) I would wish this was like a a Peter Pan kind of thing going on. I would watch that movie. No, but I one wouldn't. of my favorite scenes of the movie here is like, okay, we pan out of the kids playing hockey, that's fine. But then Baby Chester, aka hmm. Mr. Chips, runs down the snowy street, and then we hear landslide again, and that is just beautiful. <gasps> Wait, I missed that. Yeah, amazing. Yes. I think that might have just happened in her head. No, <laughs> Chester runs down the street. Maybe landslide just. <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking about it. But I'm like, oh, I think it's a different song because you were like, this is another classic '90s. Oh dream. yeah. Oh yeah, it was. It was like some jewel cover band. Was it? Uh, There's a cover band of jewel. Was it Smash Mouth? Is it called Cubic Zirconia? Uh, it was. You're right. It wasn't landslide. It was like, I know. I'll I'll find it and I'll put it on our Facebook or something. Yeah, but anyway, then we just kind of pan out to the whole like suburban scene and then fade out to credits. But Chester was running down the street regardless. I know Chester was there in some capacity. Okay. Yes. Love Chester. (laughs) Mr. Chips. Oh my God! So that was the whole thing. Yeah. It actually movie. took me le- uh, took us less time than I expected to recap, so I'm proud of us. The Good. movie was a hundred or no? A hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. according to Beth Kozlowski. The movie was an hour and forty five minutes, and we recapped it in an hour and fifty five minutes. Oh no! Which I feel like is that's better than like our ratio for recapping Vampire Diaries. Episodes. Yes, it is. It'll be better with dramatic cuts. Please drink before you listen to this. I tell you after we finish our recap. Can can we like cut in a public service announcement before we air the episode? Well, anyway, even though we're not talking about the Vampire Diaries this week, we do want to do our usual segment. So first question, who you want to punch? Oh my God, Jack. That's a valid choice. Jack is the most punchable. First of all, he is this stupid idiot. He's... So at the be- in the beginning scene when they're playing in this blues band, it reminded me of that scene in Ghost World where they go to see. Mm. This, I was like, thinking about that the whole time. <laughs> so for those of blues you who have not seen, so see Blues Hammer. So in this movie, there's a character played by Steve Buscemi, who's like this big record nerd who loves bl- like blues, bluegrass music, like and they actual go- blues. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they go to see this blue famous like blues musician. Mm-hmm. And the opening band is this band called Blues Hammer, and everybody's so excited to see them. And Blues Hammer is the band from Jack. It, it is the Jack Frost band. Like, it's the same <laughs> there thing. There are songs like Picking Cotton yeah. and Saying All. Yeah, but it's, it's a bunch of guys. With an yeah. excited violin player and oh, yeah. harmonica. And, and, and that scene in, in Jack Frost was 12 minutes long. Yeah. 
but he's just punchable from the get-go he all he does is talk about his balls and he abuses his dog and clearly he's been abusing his dog because when he comes back as a snowman his dog is actively trying to destroy him yeah Yeah. Yeah, he's like growling the whole time he's Mm -hmm. peeing on him and stealing his limbs the second i forget the kid's name Charlie, Charlie boy, the Butt second boy. Charlie boy, like starts trying to make a snowman. He's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! I know it's gonna happen." Don't do it. Mister Chips knew what was coming, and he this did. is something that I never like. Trust a dog. Trust dogs. Always trust dogs. But this is something that I never like thought of when I was watching the movie. I was just like, "Oh, Chester doesn't like Michael Keaton or whatever." So just seeing like that he whipped him and made him like mush his weird <laughs> he's like a 20 pound dog trying to mush a no. 500 pound snowman I'd be surprised what if the that hell? dog was 20 pounds he's that like is the thing pounds. I'm the most mad about about this whole movie yeah so are we saying so that was my who you want to punch so I'm assuming that that's are you I saying that's yours one. too? Oh. That might be mine. I would like to punch Mr. Kaplan record executive for trying <laughs> for to force a bunch of people to disrupt their entire Christmas just to come and have a battle royale for one record contract. It's like, like what an asshole. <laughs> I know. That's just America. That's just capitalism, yeah. dude. Just, like, yeah. duke it out. So I do also want to punch capitalism. <laughs> that's like where, that. that's where it's the real enemy in this movie is capitalism. <laughs> it's very Every, uh, this whole movie could have prevented if this was a socialist nation. Amen. <laughs> Um, so I want to punch the woman who's in line at the bank when Charlie cuts her because... It's like a distressed child. <laughs> Literally, what person would be like, you cut me when a little baby is running in crying to their mom? <laughs> like, I just think that that is too much. Honestly, I feel like in 30 years, that's going to be me. <laughs> it reminded me Honestly, of that me from- Oh, God, this kid. God damn it. I might be confused. Damn kids, get out of my line. I might be like, why is there a child running into the front of the line? But I don't know that it would make me mad. It reminded me of the woman from Gremlins who tries to steal whatever the dog's name is. Also happened in a bank in a Christmas <laughs> movie. It's almost Whoa. like that was a callback. Interesting. Yeah. This is the like sequel is... to Gremlins and the prequel to Gilmore Girls. Some very <laughs> yeah. low-key anti-Semitism in this movie. Also that. <laughs> Predominantly around Mr. Kaplan. Mr. Kaplan making them play on Christmas. Oh, right. Yeah. Greedy record executive. <laughs> who doesn't care three. about the sanctity of Christmas. The war on Christmas. Again. Yeah. yeah. Mike, do you want to punch anyone new, or do you want to punch people we've already punched? It's fine, either way. That's so supportive. No, I think I want to punch Michael Keaton. Mm. He's the worst. Coming full circle. I wish he had never become a snowman. One of my notes was, I hope Jack melts to death. This was after he whipped the dog, though. Yeah. I was so fucked up. Oh my god, I, I'm like laughing because I can't believe this I was so mad at that scene because I was like, oh, it's so cute that the dog has his... Yeah, he made us remind us of the dog. It's so cute. And then like, you see the little like, swoosh of like, God damn it. Why do you have to ruin it? Yeah, it was fucked up. And flowing right into Wire Men, I think we talked about it a bit already with like, Kelly Preston can't fix a pipe. Kelly Preston can't put up Christmas lights. There has to be a penis in the situation. Yes. Kelly it doesn't Preston. matter if it's on a child. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's like anyone with a penis can deal with this. Also, so unfortunately, Preston, Snow Dad can't. 
I would say again, I wire my wiremen's are all related to to Butt Dad. Yeah, I mean he again. Most of the movie is him walking around and talking to himself. So there's really no other characters. And he's completely fixated on his own genitalia, even when he doesn't have any. It's all he can talk about, even to children. Yeah, and it's not appropriate. I'm trying to teach his son how to, like, be in control of his own mother, because it's important. Like, clearly a 12-year-old child is more well-suited to run a household than an adult woman. Yeah. Right. I mean, I agree with you, Rose, that, like, not that much else happened in this movie. (laughs) Um, one thing that I did notice is that every time that Kelly Preston, a.k.a. Cap'n, had a crisis with Charlie, she ran to Mac's place of work to interrupt him to try and get him to help. And yeah. I understand that you like need a partner in these type of things and that it can be very difficult to face on your own. But I also think that some of these circumstances like warrant you just getting on the bus or like taking a cab or driving your station wagon to the mountains (laughs) like she literally when she knew that charlie ran off with the snowman she went to the hardware store to tell mac that charlie ran off with the snowman like yeah instead of like spending that precious small amount of time to try to find him herself exactly yes so clearly written by a man and if it wasn't clearly guided by a man (laughs) yeah our director was Troy something. I forget. Yeah. It was a Troy. It was yeah. Troy. Yeah. Helen of Troy. Fuck Troy. Fucking Troy. Uh, something else that bugged me about the whole, like, only a man can run this house thing is that, obviously, she has been the breadwinner in their family all along, because they keep on bringing up that he's a musician and doesn't have any money, so, like, she can pay for everything, but, like, clearly, she can't run a household you know, even if she's supporting this family, she can't actually support this family because that would wound my male pride. Right. Yeah. Even though he's a deadbeat dad. Yeah. So, so he's terrible. That. Yeah. But hey, he bought a five dollar harmonica across the street from the hospital wing. <laughs> Instead of like being with his born. wife and newborn child. Yeah, that so. whole thing was weird. Like why wouldn't you be at the hospital the whole time that your kid was at the hospital? It's like, oh my god, it's a boy, B R B Harmonica time. <laughs> I had to go to the store. Yes, I went there for it. just a kazoo. Yeah. Ugh. I bought my nephew a kazoo for yeah. his Aww. birthday. <laughs> you didn't go and buy it for yourself the moment True. he was born. Initially, I didn't. I would have bought a kazoo for a niece too. Yes. yes. <laughs> Equal opportunity kazoos. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Kazoos are for everyone. Uh, so yeah, men suck. They sucked in more obvious ways in '90s entertainment because, like, the culture hadn't accepted that they suck yet. Yeah. It was not like you didn't get money and good press by subverting yeah. that dynamic, which you do now. Like, people will give you money, so it's become accepted yeah. that you do that. Yeah, it's like watching Friends now. Mm-hmm. It's very outdated and you know social issues. It's uh, yeah, and I think because it's a children's movie, I'm like, oh, this is what we're telling kids. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing for sure. But I don't want to say like, I'm not saying that's how things were, but that's how movies were. Yeah, and clearly Beth, just by growing up on this movie, <laughs> has I don't know. Maybe you can even fix a pipe. I don't know. Whoa. I we don't have a similar problem going on currently. We actually did, and 
I did not fix it, which I really wish I could, and I could bring this, like, as a woman's success story, but I just let the pipe leak. Yeah. Well, I don't think I could fix a pipe, but I could certainly pick up a phone and call a plumber. Right. Well, yes. I could try to, I could maybe Same. Google it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had to deal with a leak. Depending pipe. on the issue. I mean, my toilet broke, and I just called my building, and they fixed it. I'm just saying That's to all the ladies out there, just Google it, because... There's going to be a YouTube tutorial. Right. For your exact make and model. Your hands work the same way a man's hands work. But you have to use a big pen for ladies. True. Oh you God. might need to get a lady wrench and a lady hammer. Yeah. A very cute cool toolkit. Like cool a cool toolkit. Yes. I have a pink themed toolkit that was allegedly related to breast cancer. <laughs> but I didn't buy it because it was pink. Well, then it was I, just there. I forgive you. I'm not against it as long as it's not targeted to me. Oh, it's sitting right there. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, some real pink handles. Let's yeah. go fix things. Yeah, let's But not Mike. No. We, can do we can't fix you. Mike. He's beyond repair. <laughs> I am gone, everybody. I would uh, like to apologize for my appearance tonight. Mike, do you have I any have an thoughts about why our men... Yeah, explain yourself. I am a perfect example as to why our men today. <laughs> I'm just sitting so. here trying to take all the credit <laughs> but not doing shit. Mike encapsulates all the issues of this film. Wow. <laughs> are you wow. are you a true snowman? I am a snowman. <laughs> That's a metaphor too. He's like cold and un- unfeeling. <laughs> he can't feel ice. anything. Wow. It's cold. It's like <laughs> Anyway, what is the next segment? Our who should have done it? Is who should have done it? Which oh. is very, very difficult for me to decide. Oh, I know it one hundred percent. Mac and Snow Dad. Oh. oh yeah. Clearly, a loving sexual relationship. I was gonna go for Mac and Cap'n. Because Cap'n needs to move on. Heterosexuality. She's she's just not... Well, right. I mean, there aren't a lot of characters. My other options are children or Snow Dad and himself. Who should have gone to the school dance together? Rory and Charlie. Yes, that is true. True. They should not have done it. They're 12. No. Yeah. I would support that. I think, you know, if they... You know, discover they have feelings later in life. That's cool, but I just think if Captain can't do anything for herself, she she's trying to move on. And I feel she like Captain could do better than Mac. I don't know. I like Mac. She's a Mac has been waiting patiently for his turn. So they decided to turn back from the Battle of the Bands. Mac's like Michael Keaton, you should take my car, but he doesn't go in the car. Maybe he tampered with the car to get him out of the picture. Oh my god, oh my god, god that movie. is very scary. Mac is trying to ingratiate himself into oh Kelly shit. Preston's life. Yeah, it could have been And him. he lost his groove because he was so guilty. Wow, okay, I take it back. I don't want them to get together. He just couldn't get past it. Either this was a very gay movie or this was a very sinister movie. <laughs> <laughs> Never both. Why not both? <laughs> <laughs> Beth, what do you think? I honestly have no feedback. You said it, like, before you started watching it, you already knew what your answer was. I did. This is your favorite movie, Beth. Have you reconsidered? I literally feel like I blanked out because I haven't watched this movie with a critical eye. I've mostly (laughs) watched this movie with, like, 
a pint full of whiskey. Um, <laughs> so I don't think that I've ever really reflected on it. I don't think that Michael Keaton was a good partner, and I don't think that, like, Kelly Preston deserves any of the people in that town. Um, maybe, like, Sid Gronick needs to have, like, a more support supportive person in his life so he could get past his snowman. Um, I would like to um, volunteer myself. Nice. <laughs> I could see... I like that you just knew... I could see Henry Rollins and Kelly Preston. Right off the bat. They no. might be better for each other. I think he'd be better than Mac. Yeah, maybe there's also another woman in this town besides Kelly Preston. Is there literally one woman character in this whole thing? Oh, the rest of them are at one home with their families. Yeah. Yeah, They're all homemakers. Place. So we have Kelly Preston. We have the teacher who wishes everyone a Merry Christmas. And the old lady at the bank. The old lady at the bank who yells at a child. <laughs> and Natalie. And the old lady next door in her nightgown. Oh, yeah. Who is oh, I should burn that light. I from want... that angle or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my the God. The two of them had something going on. Yeah. So, no conclusion is my choice. Me, I'm sorry. Rose and Sid Gronick. Okay, mine is Rose and Sid Gronick. <laughs> Thank you. Mike, do you have a choice? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Rory and his snowboard. That's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, that's there. right. He really that loves the snowboard. Comfortable. It sounds very yep. splintery, but to each his own. <laughs> There's some wood jokes in there somewhere. Oh, God. I'm surprised this movie didn't make any of them. There was a point where somebody said something about wood, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't intentionally like a penis reference, but I was surprised that it wasn't. Yeah, for sure. You would think that it would be. Yeah. All right, well, that was quite an experience watching this movie and talking about it with all of you. Yes, we definitely thank Rose and Mike for joining us as our guest stars from previous seasons. And yeah, we, we just wanted to have a family vibe at Christmas. Yeah, of course. Merry Christmas, everybody. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you don't Happy feel alienated or offended. We don't think that you're Mr. Kaplan. We respect and appreciate all of your traditions and backgrounds. Happy non-denominational holiday. Happy winter. Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) And, you know, we'll be back with our regularly scheduled Vampire Diaries recaps. I might have to take a week or two off for the holidays, but Mm -hmm. we promise we are committed to continuing. You know, we're really in the thick of season two and very excited to see what happens next. But in the meantime, if you want to chat with us or give us any feedback, uh, we're reaching the one-year point. When we first sat down to plan this podcast, it was at a Christmas party at a bar. Yes, we were wearing pajamas. So it was almost exactly a year ago that we really started the wheels turning on this. And now here we are a year later with 35 episodes under our belts. Yeah. We're so happy you joined us on this journey. And you can Mystic follow us on Twitter at The VD Diaries, on Facebook at The Vampire Diaries Diaries. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore VD underscore Diaries underscore podcast. And you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud if you're interested in listening to our podcast. Uh, We recap episodes of The Vampire Diaries normally, but every once in a while we might throw in a bonus movie recap like we've done tonight. Mm -hmm. And if you have any suggestions that you'd like to hear us talk about, hit us up. 
probably won't happen more than once or twice a year, but we aim to please. We sure do. So everybody have a wonderful end of the year. Celebrate whatever you want to celebrate or don't celebrate anything if that's your jam. Stay safe, stay warm, and stay a vampire in your heart. Mozzarella.